Welcome to episode 40 of Shane Talks. We've hit the big 4-0, guys, 40 episodes. And tonight, I am joined, as always, by Jason L. Mayer. And we're bringing back a guy that hasn't been here since episode number two. He was on our sequels episode, so we've had 37 episodes since then. We got Brandon Simpson with us because he is my Comic-Con Whoa. nerd co-pilot. We... Just put me on blast like that. That's all right. We've had I, I five or six straight years of Chicago together before COVID. Yep. Um, we had some yep. good times. The best time was the year that all three of us got to go to Comic-Con together in Wizard World. Uh, we had a really nice hotel that year. What was that, Jason? Met Nathan Fillion. Yep. yep. Met Steve uh, Amell. So. Yeah, I, I pissed off Steve Amell, so, you know, that happened. <laughs> Didn't Everybody else got to meet him outside of a, of a line, and then I got to hey. VIP it to the front of the line, and he got pissed off at me, so that was a fun time. Um, but we are here today to talk about Marvel movies, but the first thing we do on every episode is we talk about what we're drinking. And since I got my buddy Snow on here, I have two beers that I always associate with Snow, and I just happen to have both of them in my refrigerator tonight. Uh the first beer is one that Snow and I had together for the first time in 2015 in Arizona. We were out there for, uh, for a Comic-Con out there, uh, him and his wife, my wife and I. Uh, we week tripped it out to Arizona, and on the weekend we had uh, the Comic-Con to go to. And one of the times we went out to eat, we found this beer on the menu. It's from Sonoran Brewing in Arizona. It's called White Chocolate, and it literally tastes like melted white chocolate. It is... One of the best beers I've ever had. It's easily in my top five of all time. Honestly, I don't know if I like it so much out of a can. They've recently gone to canning it. The couple of years we've gotten it before, it's been in a bottle. Um, but it's, it's still, still absolutely delicious. Deli- oh, it's still Good. absolutely delicious. Second beer I'm going to be drinking tonight out of a smaller glass to try to slow myself down is one that Jason and I have already drank on the podcast. But the first person who ever gave me this beer was Brandon Simpson, like, uh, almost ten years, eight years ago now, maybe. Oh my god! Um, yeah. The first year that they that they made this batch, you you had our our old Sun King buddy hooked you up with some, and you hooked me up with one, and it was absolutely delicious. And to this day, I love it. I know Jason likes it. I wish I had oh. one that I could have given to you, but this is my last one. When you okay. get them, you kind of just hold on to them. It, 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 yeah. it's, it's hard to share. <laughs> Gotta say, yeah. isn't that the one with the ABV that just kicks your butt? Because you yeah. Yep. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you drinking tonight, my man? Uh, I am drinking Sam Summer, man. Oh, awesome. Favorite. So very good. I was, was I mean, I assumed it had to be coming out soon. So I'm glad you were able to get yourself some. Yep. All right. uh, The next question we ask every week is, would you guys watch anything awesome this week that you want to talk about? Uh, Snow, you're the guest. Let's start with you. What'd you watch this week? It's cool. Well, since I have nothing but time on my hand lately, uh, coolest thing I probably watched this week, I binge watched the first two seasons of Warrior. Oh, the, okay. uh, Bruce Lee inspired show off his yeah. characters and stories. How was it? I've... Died. It is amazing. Okay. I mean, between the Kung Fu fights and all this random stuff, and then you deal with all the Asian racism that happened <laughs> back in the early 1800s that, you know, sure. weird enough, still happening now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is really good. The fight, nice. the story. I mean, I'm impressed. And then you had to paint a picture. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Anything else you watched this week? Uh, ironically, like everything. Uh, Yasuka, the samurai, the one with uh, Lathan. 
stands. Um, the one with the Black Samurai on Netflix. Okay. Um, dude from Get Out was the voice of it. Lake oh, okay. Of, Lake of, why can I think of Lake of name right now? Stanfield? Stanfield, thank you. Well, yep. Just, yep, totally hard. But uh, six episodes of that, that was also awesome. Um, besides that, I sat and watched the Adjustment Bureau for some reason today because I saw him a lot and I couldn't stop. So, you know, that. besides that, that's what I've been watching. Right on. Mayor, what you watched this week? Um, the only thing I really watched, uh, I've been I've been reading um, more of the Monster Hunter series books. Mm. Um, so, so good, uh, so good. Well, so I, I've read all Snow. I don't know if you know. Do you have you read the uh, the Chronicles? Yeah, I read everything. Okay, so I'm right now. My brother Mike let me borrow his copies of the Chronicles, and I'm on the second of the three books that he nice. let me borrow. And uh, nice. but, so, yeah, I'm finding myself reading more this week than I was finding myself watching anything. I did nice. watch the first episode of Sports Night. Um, nice. Uh, big fan of Aaron Sorkin's other mm-hmm. work. So I was yeah. like, that's why I bought it while we were on the podcast last week. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy it? Uh, it's very strange. Okay. Um, so so um, it takes place in a sports center kind of mm-hmm. show. Um, that, and, uh, my own, and, but it's got the weird, it's got the feel of like West wing Mm because it flows a lot and the dialogue's really good, but it's really quick and and it's just always flowing. Um, my only issue with it is the fact that they have laugh tracks. Like, like it's just, it feels weird to me, like Uh for that kind of show to have a laugh track. Wow. Cause it feels like it's like, it feels almost real. Like you're in yeah. the room. Cause like, that's what West wing does. At least for me is it pulls me in. It makes me almost feel like I'm in the room and the same thing with the show, but with the laugh track, it's, it kind of, it jars me out of it while I'm watching it. a very weird uh, way to use that for me. So, but then again, at the, when they were making this show, what this was like mid nineties, yeah, like like ninety six, I think ninety six, ninety seven ish, yeah, I think. Like they didn't make shows without laugh tracks, yeah. Like thirty minute comedy shows without laugh tracks, because well, and so like the first one I can remember not using a laugh track lately was The Office. Yeah, that, like yeah. I mean, as far as something recent. And uh, but uh, yeah, like I, I totally think this show could have been just as good, if not better, without the laugh track for me. But I'm, I'm really there's perspective. No yeah. way that was Aaron Sorkin's idea. He, he could not have wanted the laugh track. That had to be some producer who put that in there later. I can't imagine. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and you know what's funny is you know he wouldn't have if if it wasn't his idea. If he remade Sports Night today, he'd be like, "Yeah, no laugh track." No, no yeah. laugh track. No, <laughs> like, no. and like nobody would get the nobody would be able to say, "No, we need that in there." He would just be like, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that shiny gold thing behind me that says no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a I had kind of a failure this week uh, of what I watched. It, it, a failures that that turned out okay, but. I got into two things that I, I wasn't expecting. The first off is I was just half paying attention while scrolling through Hulu the other day, I want to say, and I saw something that I thought said The Secrets of Skywalker Ranch. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to hit play on this. Like that's not, It's probably going to be some behind the scenes of like how they do all their movie magic at Skywalker Ranch. No, I misread it. It was um, uh, behind the... Or, uh, behind the scenes at the Bunny Ranch? 
No, <laughs> that would be that would have been better. Narnia. It was Secrets <laughs> of Skinwalker Ranch. Oh. Uh, which ended up being cool. okay because I watched all eight episodes in one day because it's about this uh this ranch out in like northeast Utah that is a hotbed of alien uh potential activity. So they take a bunch of like scientists out there and have them do all kinds of like seismic tests and, and like looking underneath the ground and like they shoot rockets into the sky and like they have video footage of people's like phones going crazy and like all very weird stuff. I honestly feel like half of it like was scripted. Like I'm not sure I completely believe everything that was on this show. It was, it was interesting enough because it was UFOs that I sat through eight hours of it uh, the entire day. Um, but it wasn't what I was hoping for when I thought it was going to be how they make movies at Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. Then the other thing I fired up um, over the weekend, I fired up Jupiter's Legacy. Ah, I watched that movie. too. Yes, yes. I thought it was a movie. So I fire it up and I start watching and I'm like, this is a really slow and dull and boring movie. Like, <laughs> is anything going to happen in this movie? And then all of a sudden the credits are rolling. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? It's like next episode in five seconds. And I'm like, wait, this is a TV show? Yeah. So I did watch the second episode. But after that, I was like, I was mentally committed to two hours of this. Like, so I need yeah. to take a break. I haven't finished it yet. It, it was okay. Better. Wait, it does get better? It does not. Really no, that's There's good moments in some parts, but I was already, like you said, two hours in, committed, and again, not much else to do. So I yeah. finished it. It's, yeah. it's what it is. I thought it was a movie, so I was like, okay, I can sit down and watch like a two-hour, like you know, lower-budget superhero movie. And then, like I said, after the second episode, I was like, I'm just, I'm not feeling like. I know Mark Miller is like a great like comic book guy, and everybody loves him. Oh, Jason doesn't. Not a big fan of him or Grant Morrison at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So you probably don't want to watch Jupiter's Legacy because, like I said, I've only seen two episodes and I'm bored out of my mind. So yeah, um, yeah. We'll we'll see. I'll I'll probably finish it at some point just so that I know what happens because um, it is kind of a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end of the second episode, but True. not a good enough cliffhanger that I was like, I want to watch another one. It's people in tights doing cool stuff. So I was yeah. kind of like, eh. I'm in for a little bit, but after a while, it's like, what else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have been watching The Bad Batch. I've loved the first two episodes of that so far. Absolutely. Uh, yep. So you can't really go wrong with Star Wars. I knew what I was getting into and yeah. really enjoyed nice it. Easter egg. Love the Easter oh, eggs yeah. in those episodes. Lots, yep. lots of great Easter eggs in the first two episodes. Lots of. Caleb, what? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I've had a couple of people that have asked me, they're like, hey, we never watched Clone Wars. Do you think we should still watch Bad Batch? And I'm like, I mean, you can, they do a good job of reintroducing the characters, but there's going to be a lot of like little stuff that you're not going to catch, but then it might make, you know, Rebels or Clone Wars better whenever you get around to watching them because it kind of connects all to that. So yes, I've been enjoying it. And then like you said, those Easter eggs, all of them I've seen so far have been awesome. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, we are here to talk about Marvel movies. Um, we are going to start in 2006 with the uh, with the phase one of the current Marvel Cinematic Universe. There was obviously a bunch of, not a bunch, there was a handful of other Marvel properties that were before that. What are you looking at, Snow? Why, why do you think I'm wrong? I wasn't going to say anything. You're going to say Blade? 
Well, Blade was the granddaddy of them all. So that's what I thought you were thinking 2006, but Blade was before 2006. Yeah, that was right. That was 98. Yeah, oh, that's what I was saying. But I was talking 2008 I, was Iron, Iron Man, Man was 2008. You're right. Okay, so I was like, what happened in 2006? Well, I, I mean, we kind of got our, we started getting teasers about what was going to happen in 2006. Sure. What? Yeah, I see, I see now that I'm definitely, I don't know why I thought it was 2006. Yeah, I was like, I was in Vegas. I remember seeing Iron Man for like the second time. So that's why I remember <laughs> 2008. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I stand corrected. Oh, and I got to address this because Jason, you're wearing your Captain America shirt. I'm very upset at myself. I don't know what I did, but about five ish years ago, our friend Jay Hampton gave me an Iron Man t shirt that has an arc reactor in it that actually lights up. And all week I've been I've been planning to wear that today. Uh, of course, yesterday I go to look for it, and I I went through every box of clothing that I have downstairs. I climbed up into my attic. I looked through the three boxes of clothes I have in my attic, and I can't find this shirt. So I don't know what I did with it. And of course, you know my wife has to rub it in. And I always wait till the last minute. They're available on Amazon. I could get it two day shipping, but it still wouldn't get here till tomorrow. I have two so, of those. That's the level of geek that I am. But yeah. Oh man, I it's yeah, bad. I it's bad. I have one. I just I I have misplaced it. I was planning to wear it tonight so that I could be my team Tony against Jason's team Cap. And I mean, I guess we got team New Cap here with us tonight. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. We're taking the title back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's go to 2008. Let's talk about Iron Man. Uh, John Favreau. Uh, a dude I've loved from Swingers and and Made and Friends came out of literally nowhere in my opinion. I mean, he did Elf like a couple of years earlier, sure. but like did, uh, was that Zathura? Oh, Zathura, you're right. Zathura was after Jumanji. Jumanji yeah, in space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jumanji in space, basically. <laughs> um, and then you got Robert Downey Jr. like reigniting his career after like U.S. Marshals was his last like big thing he'd done. Bonfire, but yeah. Yeah, like, and this, and the ridiculous thing is, is like when they announced that casting, like I, I don't think anybody ever questioned it. Like he no. was yeah. literally the embodiment of Tony Stark in the eighties. Like, wait, he has a drinking problem? The eighties and nineties. <laughs> yeah. So like, perfect casting, and for yeah. you know, twelve years he played that part to perfection. Mayor, what were you going to say? No, you're good. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so, um. 2008, it came out the same that was like, I believe, yeah, it was a May release. A month later, we had The Incredible Hulk at the same time. And it was weird because as much as I really did love Iron Man, like, I loved The Incredible Hulk that summer. I also like, did too. Yeah. It's it's the fugitive to me with, with, a, with a superhero character. Like, and I really liked that a lot more than Iron Man at the time. Looking back and seeing where everything is going, like I'd have to say that like I probably like Iron Man the movie better than Hulk now. But in 2008, like that's how I felt. I was like, man, the Incredible Hulk is so good. But nobody knew what this was going to blow up into at that point. Yeah. Mayor in 2008 summer, which one of those two did you like better? Uh, uh, when it came out, I'd probably say I think I liked Iron Man better, okay. but for the fact that. Um, I got to watch Iron Man in May, and then the next freaking month, I got to watch The Incredible Hulk. Like, yeah, dude, like, talk about the inner geekdom going freaking out, man. Like, because yeah, we had had X Men and some other things before the MCU got started, but this for them to to 
intertwine the way they did was just mm-hmm. like it's literally every comic fanboy's wet dream like it that's what it was and it was and it was awesome and i really really enjoy both of the movies the one thing I'm going to mention about both of these movies, and it's a running theme that we're going to talk about with a lot of the movies we're going to talk about tonight. My my biggest pet peeve and problem with the MCU is giving me a movie where the hero of the movie literally fights a clone of themselves as a bad guy. <laughs> Iron Man fights Iron Monger in the first Iron Man movie. Um, the Incredible Hulk fights Abomination in that yeah. first movie. Um there's very few of them on, on tonight's list that don't have that formula. And it's my only real issue I have with the Marvel films is I just feel like they're not. And, and I mean, I, you know what? I'm sure it goes back to the comic books. Like I'm sure when yeah. they were writing stuff in the comics, they were like, Oh, who are we going to have the whole fight? Like we're going to have to write Wendigo in, or we're going to have to, you know, write these other big bulky characters that could actually fight him. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what are you going to send Wolverine after him every week? Like, or, <laughs> no, you yeah. can't. it's, it's gotta be one of those things where they've got to find somebody who is um, on par doppelganger. Yeah. yeah. So. so, and again, we'll, we'll address it on the movies that it's not, it's an, it's an issue, but it's a non-issue. Like for the most part, it's, it's handled fine, but I, I like it more when they're creative enough to, give them uh, you know a, a bad guy that's not the exact same as one of their as as their main character um well we had to wait two years until we got to iron man 2 um Ooh. so uh, you know we we weren't getting three movies a year back here during phase one phase one was very long and drawn out uh let's see it, it went for four, four years, years four to years? get six yeah. movies um just so, kind of impressive <laughs> well true um, in time, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To to have the... And I'm pretty sure that we can all agree, maybe not necessarily with Incredible Hulk, but when Iron Man came out, it just like... Like you said, we had X-Men. Oh, and, we didn't have Iron Man. Though. But we didn't have like... like Iron Man just raised the bar. Like, Yeah. The interesting thing about the this series of movies was that you... Uh, Marvel was screwed. Like their biggest, their biggest draws sell sales wise with comic books at this time was X Men and Spider Man, and both of those properties weren't allowed to be used for them. Sure. So here they were pulling up essentially second their second tier, which is still really awesome. Their yeah. second tier guys, and so you have the them pulling out the Avengers, which always were uh, were popular but were never to the, the to the level that X-Men or Spider-Man ever hit. For and then, sure. And then it just took off from here. Oh yeah, it was the faggy. Oh yeah, for sure. And like I do we do we know for a fact he was involved from day one of all this? Yes. Like he he was on cool, I, right on. Yeah, he was on there from get go. He nice. actually it, it, also it. produced the X-Men movies. Yeah, oh, he, okay. like, he was the Marvel guy that was in charge of everything. That's cool. Uh, yeah, because I'm drawing a blank. I know the Fox Chicks. Uh, um, yeah, Laura Avi Donner, Avi yeah, thank you. Avi Arad, yeah. Yeah, did all Spider-Mans. So cool. So uh, we got no, no Marvel movies in 2009, but in May of 2010, we got Iron Man 2, which, honest, it's... Yeah, not the greatest. Not so good. I really hate the fight between him and Rhodey. 
the Iron Man suits that pretty much destroy his living room at the party. And, like, I get it that they were trying. I feel like they didn't really give his alcoholism a good shot in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, so they tried to do it in the second one. And I feel like that sequence was just an absolute failure. Like, they literally just had to find a reason for them to use that at the end of the movie so that they were sure. And yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, good point. And they had, the, they had the lull yeah. right there in the middle, and they were probably like, let's throw an action sequence in while he's drunk in a suit. Yeah, yeah, because as much as I don't really like the movie a whole lot, the suitcase armor scene is really pretty badass. It is. The suitcase armor is amazing, but then Whiplash, despite Whiplash being like a, an alternate version of Iron Man, like I still felt like it was, it was way better than Iron Monger for sure. Yeah. Uh, he he uh uh Mickey Rourke brought so much to that character and then you know they obviously tied it back into Stark Industries and stuff like that for like why he was doing it. So as much as I don't really like the movie, I, I appreciate some of the storytelling stuff, but that fight between him and Rhodey is just terrible. And like you said, it was all in there for plot and they were trying yeah. to touch on the comic book, you know, there's that whole demon in a bottle issue. Uh oh, right. Clayton one, and that's the one where Tony does kind of and inhabit the suit drunk and mm. cap actually is the one that has to come in and knock him down a peg nice. so i think they were trying to cram that into the movie somehow just to fan service the nerds um we waited another year before we got thor this director is another one that came out of nowhere in my opinion was yeah, Kenneth yeah like who ever thought he would do a marvel movie yeah, well, I was gonna say he's not a he's not a tradition like he's not like a blockbuster guy. Mm-mm. But he had been directing movies for twenty years by this point. So everything like, Shakespeare. Sure. Yeah, everything it, Shakespeare uh, yep. I also liked uh, he did a movie called Dead Again. Oh yeah, I think that's what it was called. It was yeah. when he was married to oh, what's her face? Emma Roberts, not Emma Roberts. Emma, she. Oh, Emma Thompson. Thank you, Emma Thompson. Yep, I think they were actually married at the time, or they were dating. But yeah, it was all about like this these um, this man and a woman, and the man got really jealous and killed her. But then, like then, like thirty or forty years later, they were reincarnated, but they had swapped, essentially swapped bodies. Oh, so the guy grew. The guy didn't remember anything, but he was the his spirit was the girl from the original uh, airing, and so it was just a it was a weird, cool movie at the same time. But uh, yeah, look into that. Sounds like don't know anything about it. But yeah, it was kind of weird, and I say it now, and I'm like, that is kind of Shakespearean ish. Like, (laughs) I mean, he's done every Hamlet, every every Henry V. I mean, Othello. I'm pretty sure he's directed Macbeth. Exactly. Yeah, like he's done a lot of Shakespeare movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, I personally really like Thor as far as uh, the the first phase goes. I love the fish out of water concept. We've talked about that on the podcast before, but stripping him down and removing him from being like a a badass, powerful superhero and just making him a normal dude um, works really well for me. It's a very, very character driven piece. And I, I feel like his Shakespeare directing really nailed it for that character like just a, a man who's been stripped of all of his dignity and everything that he feels like made him who he was having to figure out how to be that superhero again the very shakespearean story oh, yeah. that works Anthony for him Hopkins, as a director 
yeah, Anthony Hopkins. Yep. I mean, yeah, that was very Shakespearean. I uh, uh, I was reading an article, and uh, Anthony Hopkins, the part where um, right before he strips Thor of his powers, and uh, Loki says something, and Anthony Hopkins looks at him and is like, ah! Ah! Like, <laughs> apparently that was completely ad libbed. That was script, and so. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, my favorite scene of that whole movie, though, is probably when he's when when he when he goes through the shield compound. Yep, like, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say the same thing. To get yeah. to that humor, like and and then like watching him like completely break down because of the fact that he's not worthy of it. Yep. And, and oh yeah. Um, and Hawkeye's like you got to tell me what to do Colson. I'm starting to root for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is yep. hilarious because if you watch that you know that they filmed almost they filmed that entire movie and then they yep. probably oh, yeah. were like Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye so then they were like let's just put a couple of insert shots of him. And yep. That's all they needed. That's all they yeah. needed. But uh <laughs> And I like they stay. It's all breadcrumbs leading up to what it eventually has become. Because Loki, no one had to know that Loki was going to blow up and be as popular as he is. Blow up to be but, as popular as he is now getting his own TV show next exactly. month. Exactly. Like, like nobody could have seen that. Loki, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially after Avengers and everything leading up after me, Tom Hiddleston has. If it was well, anyone else, I don't think it would be nearly as popular as he is. And this movie gave us the guy. great seed of Darcy that we yep. just got back in WandaVision. So, like, uh, this this movie was, was after Iron Man, probably my favorite. Man, see, it's tough because three, two months later, we got Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, yeah. And my, that movie is my, flawless. Might literally be my favorite non-Avengers movie. Out of all of them, it yeah. it was perfect for them to go back to the forties with it. Yep. Tell his origin story and like, I mean, Jason and I had talked about it, you know, months before the movie came out, where we were like, "Does Marvel have the balls to do an entire movie in the forties?" Yeah, and then and then you know, bring it up to the current time because obviously we knew the Avengers was coming, so we were like, "Are they really going to do a whole movie in the forties? Drop him in the block of ice." And then bring him out in modern time, and they did. They exactly did. did that, and it was it and, was flawless. And it made it believable. I mean, like almost to the point where Cap has been in the world this whole time, and we just didn't know. Yep. He has trading cards, and he was part <laughs> you know? of American history. Well, it's like, it oh, directed so- by Joe Johnson, who yeah. has directed one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, in The Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. And like, I really feel like the the dynamic that he has with his two main characters in the Rocketeer and the and the girl like you know the Rocketeer is set in the forties also so he knows that time period he knows that oh, yeah. vibe and how you know guys you know try to woo women back then and he did it so good with Peggy and and Steve mm-hmm. like it it's it's a damn near flawless movie as far as like an action comic book movie goes and Bucky mm-hmm. Bucky is so awesome in that movie yep like, oh yeah. Sebastian Stan hit like the part where like I just love it when he um because he is who he is and he's this lady's man and everything when Peggy walks in with that red dress and she basically ignores him and he's like oh my god this is what it feels like to be (laughs) (laughs) it's like well and it's so it's so awesome because honestly a lot of times I I mean I don't necessarily forget about him in that movie but when I think about Bucky now, like when I watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I, I usually default back to just thinking about the Winter Soldier Captain America movie. Like, 
that's you know kind of what Bucky is to me at this point. I always forget we have Bucky's origin story also oh, yeah. in in the first Avenger. Oh, yeah, and it's so good. I got beat up behind that building. yeah i the humor's there the the script is flawless the red skull is an amazing villain i'm still some nice comedy too for sure and stanley tucci is i mean he's always good but Mm -hmm. as the doctor he is so awesome oh yeah with heart heart. so perfect um (laughs) but yeah that 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 movie is really close to flawless in my opinion. Like I really enjoy it. And of course the end of it, like we said, they bring him back to the modern day and we get boom, Captain America in the middle of Times square. And then we get the boxing scene where mm-hmm. we, we get the setup for the next movie, which came out about a year later, May 4th of 2012 was the Avengers, which I, I, I know Jason and I had conversations back in 2012 where we were like, we need to lower our expectations. We were huge Joss Whedon fans <laughs> at the time. And at he's time. taking over a property that we absolutely love, everything they've done so far. But we got to lower our expectations. There's there's too much going on. There's no way this is oh going to be what we want. God. And it, it, it was knocked out of the park. It, 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 was, it, was, it was perfect. Never had I ever been to a movie where I when I walked out, I wanted to turn right back in for another two and a half hours, sit down and just watch it again that night, right away. I could. It was that. just, it was so good. All of the characters were well handled. I mean, you, you had so many characters. How are they going to intertwine all of these plots? How are they going to make everything work? And it worked to perfection. And Loki was just amazing with, with how they used him as far as the plot goes the the entire end battle sequence was was visually stunning it was it was cgi porn like honestly the first two-thirds of the movie i enjoy better than the than the climax and whatnot Mm -hmm. but it 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 still was fine um jason and i have talked about how our big issue with it well jason jason has voiced his concern so many times that i have started to take issue with the uh, what, what do we call it? The the George Lucas factor. Like you you, <laughs> ki- you kill one thing and it renders everything else inert. So like you 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 oh, go shit. up and you drop this bomb, but it instantly makes every alien that was still oh, here on Earth wow. like just die. Like Sorry, the droids just dropped when they blew up the ship. Got yeah. It. So the hive the hive mentality bull crap, man. Like yeah. Like I understand, it makes perfect sense when you have a droid, a ship that controls all these droids. It makes no sense whatsoever when Shatari are sitting there like sentient beings that it can be all by themselves and have no problem making decisions on their own. And then all of a sudden that blows up, and all of a sudden they're all just like, "Eh." they want you to believe that that ship was also controlling them, though. No, 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 (laughs) some level. So know. Snow, no. are the Chitari something that actually are in the comic books, or was that just made for the movie? Because I'd never they heard of them existed before, before the movie. The, movie. the they Chitari did? Okay. went around like Black Panther. I mean, oh, okay. like the first time I think in uh, any kind of movie or animated one, as far as I can remember, if you go back and watch like the animated Marvel movies, uh, the Avengers one that they did a while back, they did two of them actually, and okay. Black Panther was in the second one. But they told the whole story how the Chitari were responsible for killing to uh, to Chaka. So they've been around before Joss Whedon. He didn't just pull them out of his ass. So they do exist. And he originally, if I'm remembering correctly, he wanted to use the scrolls instead of the Shatari 
but with yeah. the fact that Fox owned the rights to the scrolls because of um because it's of a good Fantastic thing for that's a good thing there's way too much to do with the scrolls to waste them on that battle but yeah so um, well, so when Atari did they get was, like in the in the ultimate universe when they relaunched that when they launched the ultimate series of comics back in like 2000 i think it was mm-hmm. they, um, the shatari were essentially the scrolls of the ultimate universe at one point so like yeah um, but so yeah they they it was it was just a we can't use exactly what we want to so we have to use something else oh yeah so my question is how did they how did they get the rights to the scrolls back earlier than the fantastic four like because they obviously use the scrolls in captain marvel that is true which that's that the first time we been... saw the scrolls were in captain marvel there might have been one like in the background captain marvel that, was Guardian. 2019 yeah so they already had Fantastic Four rights back by then? Okay. I want to say that that deal was done, like solidified in 2018, but it didn't okay. get to go through yeah. until like at the end of that okay. year or something. It's the Spider-Man thing. Just because Spider-Man, we had that access. I think the moment we got Spider-Man, they had access to Fox okay. and Sony and all that. And we had that before. Well, so and you know, we'll, we'll get there and talk more about, thank God that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we had to wait another year. Man, these were some huge gaps we had to sit through back in the day. You're talking about huge gaps. It's one year in between. Like we're been spoiled. Yeah, it's this is ridiculously spoiled nowadays. (laughs) We we are, and I mean, especially with TV now. Like I'm getting TV shows back to back with like you know two or three weeks between them this year. Uh, so after the Avengers, one year later, almost to the day, we got Iron Man three, which I was so hyped for because I love Shane Black, Black. and yeah. everything about Shane Black is in this movie. You have an adult that's hanging out with a kid at Christmas time. The kid back talks to him and gives him attitude. Like it's literally a Shane Black script, buddy comedy, <laughs> and a buddy comedy, and it just, I, I. I don't hate it as much as I did the first time I watched it. The first time I watched it. You totally love this movie. I would come into into work and he'd be listening. He, we, we have the headphone thing. So you can, for people who are hard of hearing and he would set it up and connect it to the auditorium where it was playing and he'd run it through the speakers in the office. So he could listen to the movie while he was working. I was trying to make myself like it better. (laughs) <laughs> it does get better the more you watch it. I will admit that. It's like you're almost brainwashing yourself to enjoy the movie because you well, <laughs> well, because here's the thing, like the the biggest issue I have with the movie is is the Mandarin and yeah. in Kingsley and is like just Guy Pierce's character. Like it's just such a bad villain plot. Like again, like when they cast Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin, I was like that's the that's... dumbest thing I've ever heard of. That's what? absolutely stupid. He, he looked the role. The, the Mandarin is is an Asian martial artist. Ben okay, Kingsley is Asian fucking old. Yeah, like <laughs> he looked he looked good, but when the casting was announced, I was like, "This is the dumbest shit ever!" Like, why are you having Ben Kingsley be the Mandarin? Well, now I understand because he's Trevor. And yeah, to be fair, he was also Gandhi. So I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong about that. 
And he won an Academy <laughs> Award for it. And he won an Academy <laughs> Award for it. Watching everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hollywood was different back then. Thank God we're making a little bit of progress these days. You see that, but dude, I'm sorry. If Ben Kingsley, if they wanted him to play Gandhi now and he had never done it previously, I would have been, I'd be like, of course, like that man disappears into a role. It's like Gary Old. <laughs> no offense. Gary Oldman could probably play any nationality he would want to. <laughs> Just because of the fact that he is Gary Oldman, That's I'm not God. saying it would be. I don't. I'm not saying it'd be PC. Oh but no! I know for a fact he could act any character. Oh, he, he can act all he wants. We can go see Tropic Thunder for that, but we're getting off. <laughs> <laughs> Which was. Um, and then the one thing, the one thing we'll say about this uh, to connect it to, we'll talk about Shang Chi at the very end, as long as we have time. Um, I've said this numerous times. I'm pretty sure I said it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. I literally want the opening scene of Shang-Chi to be, um, oh, I can't remember the dude's name, the dude from All Hail the King, bringing Trevor oh. to the Mandarin, uh, Scoot McNeary. Scoot McNeary. There we go. I, want, I want a helicopter to come down in Asia, yeah. and I want Scoot McNeary to take Ben Kingsley to the Mandarin, <laughs> and I want the dude to be like, ah, oh, you've been using my name. Oh, I can't hold on. I can't do voices wow. like that. My fault. Yeah, that, that part out. Totally bad. <laughs> <laughs> I would like I would like the real Mandarin in his Asian <laughs> that he speaks. Sorry, that I, that was bad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I would like for the Mandarin in the opening scene of Shang-Chi to kill Trevor. <laughs> just kill Ben Kingsley off um, and just Give, give make, like make this character that bad of a villain that he kills off Trevor oh, that we've man. that we've liked from Iron Man two and then I'll hail the king. Our blockade <laughs> is perfectly legal. <laughs> uh, all right, I do, I do apologize for my attempt at an Asian accent. I was trying to I was trying to take on the role of the I Mandarin. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I apologize yeah, yeah. for that. Uh, but anyway, that's what I would love to see is the opening of Shang-Chi, connecting it back to Iron Man 3. Uh, but overall, like, you know, I don't understand why, like, I don't want to be a superhero is a thing. Like, they did it in Spider-Man 2 when he decided he didn't want to be Spider-Man anymore. And, like, it's just this whole, like, I want to walk away from being a superhero that they did it at the end of Iron Man 3 when he blows oh. up all of his suits. And he's like, I don't need these anymore. I have the surgery, so I don't need an arc reactor anymore. Like, and I didn't care for house that. cleaning protocol. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that was him walking away from clean it. slate, clean slate. That's what it was. Sorry, clean right. slate protocol. Yeah, there you go. I don't think that's him walking away from it at the end of that movie. I think that was him just saying, I don't need all of this to fulfill who I am because I am to Iron Stark. I am. He said it at the, the last line of the movie was, I am Iron. So I guess that's not him actually retiring. I guess. Wait, hold on, no, no. I thought the last retiring. line of the movie is "I am Tony Stark." No, I think it's "I am Iron Man." He says, "I am Iron Man." Okay, I thought yeah. it was. I thought we were trying to parallel the first movie where he, he does say that. I thought yeah, he was no, saying, "I am Tony Stark." Okay, okay. He has the little screwdriver in his hand. Says, "I am Iron Man." Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, he blows up the suits for Pepper. So as we do things, you know, billion dollar suits, we will blow them up for our women. For our women. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next, we got what I would probably consider possibly my least favorite of all MCU films ever. I really hate this movie. And it had a doctorate. It had the ninth doctor in it. Wow. The Dark World was absolute garbage. The, the script was terrible. The acting was terrible. The Dark wow. Elves were terrible. Tell us how you really feel. 
I I told you this is probably my le- very near the bottom poopy garbage of the MCU in my opinion. That do you do either of you guys like it? Did I love it? No. Did I find it entertaining? Yes, just because it continued the story. Is it my favorite of the three Thor movies? God no. Definitely the last. It was definitely somber and yeah. up not it was dark. I mean the movie says it itself. It was very dark and yeah. bleak. And there was zero joy in any of that movie. Even when they tried to insert some kind of humor, it still was not very good. There was, I had no joy in that movie. Okay, so you have two movies that you like less than this one? Oh, of the I, four this, is in my, this is in my bottom three. I wasn't. I don't, three? Know, okay. I don't know how I'd stack my bottom three. Four okay. But 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 my three my bottom three um, are this Thor Ragnarok and Captain Marvel. Like those those three movies were just blah to me. Like okay. um, I and you know what's weird is I say blah for Marvel Studios standards, right? Because <laughs> like, all three of those movies I'd rather watch than like half the Star Wars universe uh, movies. Sure. So like. So I have Alan, Alan Taylor directed this one. Do either of you guys know Alan Taylor from anywhere? Uh, Game of Thrones. Mm. Oh, okay. That would make sense. It felt very Game of Thronesy. Yeah, oh. I can see that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's who directed this one. Yeah, I apologize so well. for interrupting you, Jason. Please finish what you were no, saying. No, no. I, I was just going to say, like those those are my three least favorite of the MCU. But literally, like. I, I'd watch all three of those before I'd watch Last Jedi. I'd watch all three of them before I'd watch Clone uh, Attack of the Clones. Like mm. at least half the second half of Attack of the Clones. Maybe sure. the, well, maybe the first <laughs> third I like. I don't know. But um, but sure, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. It's still one of those things where it's like it, they have to have bad ones, right? Like yeah, yeah. I'll let you know when we get to my bad one. I'll let okay. you know when it's gonna, and nobody's gonna think it is, but I think it's the worst one. That's oh it. my god, is Black Panther your least favorite Marvel movie? Duh. Oh my god, Panther. I should have yeah. seen that coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the that. next one is one that I think a lot of people. I, I I don't dislike the movie, but a lot of people like it a lot more than I do. Um, but we finally get the Russos involved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I was a huge Community fan, so I was I, I was baffled when I heard they were going into Marvel and doing action because uh, I've known them as some of the funniest people on television. Arrested but, Development. Uh, I mean, they started with Arrested Development, and then they went into Community, which yeah. and were like directed about half the episodes in the first two seasons, yeah. and and they directed some of the best episodes on the show. Period. So for them to switch over and come into Marvel, I was just like, "What? How are they going to do this?" And they nailed it with the Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, like, I I don't dislike the Winter Soldier in any way. I thought it was okay. I I really I like what they set up in the movie. I like bringing in Black Panther the way they did. Like that Falcon, that was, the other black well, one. Sorry, was Winter Soldier not the one that started off with King T'Chaka getting killed? That would be so no, horrible. That was the same no. director. Yes. Oh, see, crap. I got my stuff confused. I apologize. Yes, they brought in Falcon. Your left. On my left. Yes. Damn. I, yep. After all of that. That's why I have to have my super nerds with me because I got too much going on up in here. I get stuff confused. So, apologies. I'll save that for later. Um, But I like (laughs) Robert Redford in this movie. Um, A lot of the action scenes in this movie were pretty good. The, The chase through the buildings and jumping the roofs was pretty badass. Freeway chase was awesome. 
Yep. Dude, uh, and this is where you finally like you get a real sense of Black Widow. Like, yes, you loyal glint of her everywhere else, but this is the oh, one. yeah, we didn't even address them introducing her in Iron Man, Iron 2. Man 2. Yeah, uh, I for, we but, didn't even address that, but yeah, so like in this movie, she's getting more, more, more depth to her character, and she's, I, I love the flirting that she's doing with Steve throughout the yeah. whole thing. And, it, and it's one of those things where it's like it could just be her training that's kicking in or it could be she actually finds Steve attractive. Training. Tell which one it is. <laughs> and I think that's great. And it, it worked perfectly for this movie. Yes. So because even when like she when she grabs him and she kisses him in the mall or whatever, it's one of those oh, moments yeah. where you're like you're like are they gonna put these two together like for real? Like, or or is this just like it? it so I thought it was I thought it was really cool the way that they pulled this. This is easily top five for me. Okay. I agree. It was very political, um, and with, I with, loved that because which, they didn't they didn't yeah. do it to a point where it felt like they were bashing you over the head because no. it very much was mimicking what was going on and especially at the time that uh, our government was deciding to do some crazy stupid stuff. So not that they're not now; it was just <laughs> properly mimicked at that point. So, um, um, but yeah, like this is easily top five of the movies for me. So it's fantastic. So, Snow, refresh my memory because I'm drawing somewhat of a blank on here. How did they recruit Falcon to become Fal- like? Uh, or, uh, how does he? When when was the first time he was given the Falcon suit? I can't remember. He had the wings. They apparently they were kept um, in some kind of storage base or some kind of secure base. Okay. Um, it was after Nat and Steve were on the run. They found shelter uh, at Sam's place. Sam said he wants to help. He threw him a piece of paper, said, here's my resume. This is what I did. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot all about that scene. Yeah. And yeah. Steve's like, oh, I thought you were just a parachute guy, you know? And he's like, no, this is what I did. But they're, the only pair he knew of were some army base behind still doors. And he's like, eh, won't be a problem. And then him and Nat go and break them out. That's right. First Thank time you. you see is when they throw what's-his-nuts off that building. And then, oh, um, and yes. So yep. Yeah. St- I need to rewatch that one. I haven't watched that one in a long time. So thank you for oh, yeah. reminding me about that. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, when they throw Agent Sidwell off the building. Sidwell, that's right. Yeah, they tossed him off a building. And Dude. then that's where uh, Matt and Steve were discussing who he should date. So that's how I kind of had a feeling like, you know, they're not trying to hook up because she's still trying to get him a date. Sure. So all the flirting is her training. That's just what her natural what she goes to. Now what she did with the Hulk, but but, uh, dude, (laughs) what they do to Agent Sidwell in that episode in that movie, I told that was (laughs) because we, you know, we've we've had him off and on for like five movies by this point, yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden it's just like, (laughs) 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 oh shit, (laughs) she just got real, yeah, kicked off a building. Was was it that that's the movie where he does the Hail Hydra thing, right? Like that's the movie where we find Gary out. Gary Shannon's the yeah, Gary Shannon's yeah. the center in that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Kind of explain why he was a dick in the other Iron Man movie too. So. Yep. Yeah. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> all right. So after that one, a couple of months later, the summer of twenty fourteen, we were we got James Gunn being brought into the MCU and we got the first Guardians of the Galaxy, which is very near the top of my list. 
one, two, three-ish for me. I love the soundtrack. Yeah. I, I enjoy Peter Quill. I enjoy how he just runs his mouth and can't really always back it up. And I want to ask Jason why he's shaking his head about this movie. <laughs> I'm still sour about the fact that Shane couldn't wait one extra day to watch <laughs> it with me for the first time. He felt like he had to go back to work and watch it the day early and screw me over because I absolutely couldn't come for whatever reason. I was like, dude, just wait the one day. And you were like, yeah, I'll wait. And then the next day, he's like, I didn't wait. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a cunt bag, but it's okay. But so. I feel like I didn't tell you until after the movie that I didn't oh, wait. I, oh, I, I know, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I made you think that I hadn't watched it yet when we watched oh, it. But it's okay. Yeah, you know what's weird is you brought up the soundtrack. Um, yeah, the soundtrack's amazing. Well, so the soundtrack from the beginning of the MCU through Avengers, they had a bunch of. Um, they had a ton of soundtracks that were um, <laughs> nice. I like to keep my own copy just in case. I like to keep my own copy as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, Jump uh, on board, dude. We gotta get to it. Yep. Totally got it. In case I ever got a VHS player. Uh, I actually had, real quick, real quick side story about this. I actually had two copies of this. Uh, my buddy Garrett was over last summer. Uh, his whole family came over, and I had my two copies sitting around. And his son is a huge Guardians of the Galaxy fan, and so he saw it. And he was like, "Oh, this is the, like this is the cassette tape from the movie." And I'm like, "Yeah, do you want it?" The like actual one. Have one of them. And he was like, "Oh, really?" So I gave him one, but they didn't have a tape player. So for Christmas last year, they got him a cassette player so that he could actually play this tape and listen to it. And I just thought that was pretty badass. Nice, that is awesome. Yeah. So as I was saying, keep going before uh, I interrupt. Uh, you. When when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was under the guise of was under the tutelage of the Paramount Studio, which went through um, which went through Captain America: The First Avenger, then they they had oh some my pieces. god before they Disney had some soundtracks where there was tons of music in it like Foo Fighters was in Thor a bunch and ACDC hmm. was in the second Iron Man. Um, and Avengers had like a mismatch of everything. Um, <laughs> but then as soon as Disney purchased them, Disney kind of nixed that. And Guardians of the Galaxy is like the first one that was very song driven after uh, the after the takeover of Marvel. So it's so yeah. interesting. You would think with all the Disney money that they keep doing that and, and want to keep it though they don't want to, yeah. want to share that See, i thought that was all james gunn i mean i consider the guardians like the heart of the whole mcu i mean <laughs> their story i think is where the humor the heart where you actually care about because i mean they're a comic book that nearly no one knows about or cares nope. about and they made this billion dollar franchise and insert well, them into the giant universe and i know james gunn isn't joss whedon but I look at them at the same for what Joss did with Firefly and what Guardians is. Like, you take a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds who are kind of forced randomly to be together on one ship. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, they're not all best friends. They don't all get along. Some of them <laughs> want to kill each other. <laughs> Some of them want to kill each other. Like, uh, but that, for, that first Guardians movie was just absolutely fantastic. How they all oh, ended yeah. up coming together. How, you oh, know, yeah. they were all after, you know, what, what Quill stole in the opening. Like, the the first scene where Rocket and Groot are trying to get it, Gamora's trying to get it, like that whole, you know, it, it's very, you know, yeah. funny and sticky and whatnot, but it was very enjoyable. 
and then they all end up in jail together and like okay we're going to be forced to work together and then they continue to be forced to work together through the rest of the movie because they all for some reason want to kill Thanos (laughs) so yeah I thought it was great everything in the kiln even sprinkle in Mickey Rourke I mean Mm -hmm. Michael Rooker Michael Rooker which really didn't grab your heart until the second one. But at the same time, Yondu was a great addition to that too. Oh, Yondu was all the Ravagers. They were all awesome in this movie yeah. as like antagonists, but not really bad guys, just kind of like there to cause problems. Yeah. Yeah. And Vin Diesel as group for some odd reason. Yes, he has the voice, but how many ways can you deliver the same words <laughs> over and over and over and get a paycheck for that is amazing. <laughs> Which, I mean, not a surprise. He was badass yeah. as the Iron Giant. That is true. That I mean, he's, he's, he's a very good voice actor. Now, we also, he's also awesome in the Fast franchise. Like, I love him <laughs> in that. No, Jason, yes, he is. You know he is. Dominic Toretto is an amazing <laughs> character that he embodies. He just does a lot of ridiculous shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next Physically up is... impossible no, crazy shit. Yeah. Whatever. Next up, they brought back Joss Whedon again to do Avengers Age of Ultron, which is <sighs> definitely near the bottom. I'm I'm not a fan of this movie. I, I like the James only one in the world that liked this movie. <laughs> like, here's the thing: I, I I have watched it again in the last year because I watched I've watched almost all of the MCU movies that are on Disney Plus. Um, just picking one a day to to watch or whatnot. So I did rewatch it. I didn't hate it as much as I remember hating it that first time I watched it in the theater. Um, there's there is some good stuff in it. Uh, the the trying to lift Mjolnir scene is actually really like I really I wouldn't say get emotional, but I get like an it, emotionally invested in that scene. I think it's really that fun. hilarious. Yeah. Um, Jason can lift it. <laughs> well, if an elevator can lift it, I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Jason can lift me on there. That's Mew Mew. <laughs> good, good job lifting Mew Mew. Um, so Mew Mew. what, what do you like about age of Ultron? Like if you, if you've never hated it, what, what made you I, like right off the bat, James Spader. I love James Spader and everything he's done. I love him as Ultron. I love him. He's dry-witted and humorous. The whole line about, oh, small adults. What do you call them? Oh, children. That's right. I get confused. You know, that whole thing. And I can't think of another character. If you're trying to be a menacing robot, why are you a fucking stand-up comedian? Like, that's my (laughs) thing. Like, If he's he's going to be this badass, intimidating robot, evil machine, like, why are you telling jokes? And but, he was. He was still blowing up shit in the process, but he added that levity to it also that kind of took your mind off of it. And he is based he, off of Tony. He's based off of Tony, Tony and Jarvis Stark. at the same time. Huh? He is Tony Stark. He's the exactly. worst. He had to have Tony Stark. Elements of that. So between the opening scene where you're watching him kick ass, I thought that was great. Of course, they had to do the slow motion money shot because they, you know, go Joss. Yeah, I have no yeah. problem with that. Because the Avengers' first money shot to this day haunts my dreams. I've had well, but that paper. but that money shot makes sense. They're all back to back, and it spins around them like Michael yeah. Bay. I'm fine with that. Saying, hey, when they're back. all jumping together, and you decide yeah. you have to put it in slow motion, where they're all in awkward positions that they couldn't really ever actually be in in the middle of the woods. This was the welcome back. The Avengers are back and kicking ass. That's all it was. It was fan service, comic book candy. 
oh, look, they're back and kicking ass. That's all that was. Um, but between that, uh, the ship fight, I like the first time we got to see Andy Circus's character, Claw. Thought he, he was he great. Arm off, and he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, was that her? Mm, yeah. But the whole little whooping fish thing. <laughs> Random crazy story, but he is just great in that, too. So, and I did like the party scene where they were just sitting there kicking it after the party. Where they were looking yeah. like, this is what the Avengers do when they're not out kicking ass. They're just sitting yeah. there chilling around, having some drinks. I enjoyed that part, too. Everything leading up to, you know, I thought the Hulkbuster Hulk scene, him destroying Africa, a little overdone. but Yeah, still. yeah, I didn't enjoy that. And then taking it all the way to the farm. This is Hawkeye's farm where he didn't know about. I mean, I, I give it a lot more credit than I think it deserves, but I also enjoyed it. Though everything leading up to the big battle of Sokovia, which we will hear about from years to come. Yeah. And we got the Scarlet Witch and we got Quicksilver out of it. And then Quicksilver dies. So you get the sadness aspect of it too. Whedon will kill a yep. motherfucker in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, Quicksilver might have said, I'm a leaf on the wind, and then like gone exactly. and just got... <laughs> so, yeah. I, I will I will say that that kind of and and you know Joss got me the first time I ever watched Serenity mm. with both of the main with both of the kills because it yeah. was just like, are you serious? And then the second <laughs> one happens, you're like, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> but then, like when he did it with Quicksilver, like he's like, you didn't see that coming, and I was like, oh shit, those are bullet holes all through him. Like, yeah, oh, no, like he's mm-hmm. dead. <laughs> no, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> fuck, he's and, dead. and and oddly. I, I just didn't care when it happened. Like, <laughs> I, I don't feel like they built that character up, and it wasn't like I'd watched eighteen or seventeen episodes of Firefly to get to the point okay. where I cared when they killed somebody off. Like, I literally didn't care at all when they killed Quicksilver. Them swapping sides like that, I feel like it was a little forced. Like, you yeah, know, she had she saw the bad premonition. Oh my god, what have I done? Now I got to be a good guy. But even the Hawkeye speech. Like the bill is flying, the, the ground is flying. There's robots trying to kill us. I have a bow and arrow. Well, and and, and the premonitions, though. My my only sad thing, like now knowing everything that we know in the MCU, I'm really sad that Tony's vision that she showed him never actually happened. That would have been cool. Like I, so I really would have loved if that would have happened in Endgame or not Endgame in um, Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. Like if, if Tony had watched all of his friends die directly in front of him, I yeah. feel like that that scene in Age of Ultron would have been better and made more sense. But the only reason it doesn't because she didn't actually show the future. She only showed you your greatest fear. Okay. And that right. was Tony's greatest fear. So it wasn't actually right. this is going to happen. This is just what Tony feared. So it made sense and it kind of happened ish at the end but i guess i did kind of like it i know not everybody like it it's at the bottom of my favorites but okay yeah it's it's definitely at the bottom of my mcu movies it's in the bottom half for me yes but it's still it's the least favorite of the avenger movies out of the four yeah out of the four right but, but it it definitely I think it's pretty much middle of the pack, maybe the bottom of the middle. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Upper middle crust. No. <laughs> uh, so that summer, summer of 2015, uh, we got Bring It On director Peyton Reed's Ant Man, <laughs> which uh, Scott Lang being played by the the timeless um, Paul Rudd. 
Paul Rudd. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I literally, wow. his name flew out of my so head. Long, you forgot. It's okay. <laughs> well, we just watched Clueless like a week or two ago. And so like, I was thinking about his character in Clueless and totally his name slipped out of my brain. It's, it's uh, that hobo blood. Him and Tom Cruise. It's that hobo blood. Yeah. Like yeah. they literally just don't age. Yeah. Uh, Ant-Man, which was a lot of fun. Like, it's a heist movie. It's a great yeah, heist movie. It's I a great it. heist movie. And the 3D is is fun. The yeah. 3D was so much fun at that movie. Yeah. It made you think, how are they going to take these shrinking characters and make them a superhero? And I'm like, oh, well, that's how you do it. And yeah, he's and been like, around as long as you know, Captain America. They took him way back in the war. You don't mm-hmm. get Hank Pym, because how are you going to introduce Ultron and shit without Hank Pym? Hank yep. Pym's already an old bastard by then. Let's bring in Scott Lang right off the back. Loved it. I thought it was a great idea. Man, that first scene in his bathtub when he puts the suit on and then shrinks <laughs> yeah. down, like yeah. it 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 looks so cool. Like, you know, like when I was a kid and I watched Honey I Shrunk the Kids and I was yeah. like amazed at the terrible uh not CGI bumblebee and like stuff that and like the giant grass and, and stuff that they had for that practical what's that? Say Anthony, but yeah. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh it it, it 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 brought back that fun feel of a kid when I watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when, when yeah. he first shrinks down. And then he shrinks down for the first time and he's like, doesn't know what to do. And all of a sudden you got Michael Douglas in your ear and he's like, <laughs> we need to calm down. And you're like, who the fuck is talking to me? Like, uh, Very fun and enjoyable movie. And like you said, it's a heist movie, so it's got a, a lot of fun aspects oh, to it. Put Michael Pena on the map yet again. I <laughs> Dude, mean- Michael I want Michael Pena to narrate my entire life. Like, exactly. like every every day when I go to bed. And so what Shane did today is, and just like, tell me everything I did today. Because yeah, him yeah. narrating that show. And so uh, a, a lot of people who are listening to this probably know that Edgar Wright was originally attached to do Ant-Man for yeah. years. Oh, yeah. I, ha- I have to personally believe that however much they, they cut from his script, that Michael Pena bit had to be Edgar Wright's doing. Like Fast cuts it, like that. That's like him. That's got most of that. I think they didn't. He still have credit for writing it. I think he did. Did he? Okay, I can't remember. Because I, I want to say they used his script. They just didn't have him direct it. Oh, okay. Because yeah. of creative differences. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, dude, I'm pretty sure that they used the. Okay. Original. Yep, it's his screenplay and his cool. story. Thank you. Nice. That up. Yeah. So. I, I love the fact that I know that no matter what, Edgar Wright was responsible for Michael Pena having some of the best dialogue in the entire movie. Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, he's fantastic in that role. He's so funny. Uh, so after that, we had to wait almost a year for Captain America's Civil War. Oh, a whole year. <laughs> there we are. Uh, which, yes, finally got the death of T'Chaka. We got the Black Panther being brought in as a badass. Um, literally the first sequence where he's chasing down Bucky and there's like four different fights going on at the exact same time is so fun. And actually, the, he doesn't chase down Bucky the movie I don't, I don't like the least. It's, it's my least favorite Marvel movie. Wait, what? I know. Civil I War? I, I, Civil War is down there with the Dark World for me. Why? But what do you I, not like about it? I, I, it's not the fact that my heroes are fighting each other because everybody hates to see where their heroes are actually battling each other. Okay. I think I enjoyed the comic, and this is another case where I think I enjoyed the comic book so much, that story, 
So okay. watching them try to do it on the big screen just left me wanting so much more. And I was kind of like, that's not how it went. That's not right. how it went. <laughs> so everything that they did just seemed forced. They forced Black Panther into the story. They forced Spider-Man into the story. They forced a reason for Bucky and Tony to, you know, to hate each other or for Tony. So to I feel Bucky. like you already mentioned it earlier. Somebody different killed T'Chaka in the comic books. It wasn't. Yeah. It, well, comic books and in the animated, it was the Shatari. Shatari went oh, okay. were trying to invade. And they're also shapeshifters of a sort, too. Gotcha. Depending on what you read. Depending on what you're reading. But, um, but the whole Zemo thing. I mean, I know that's part of the MCU and how you introduce Zemo. Sure. How you Looking back at all the the small pieces of the puzzle, you know, I, I think it's brilliant to where it is now. But first watching Civil War, I did walk out of that one like, that's not my story, you know, because <laughs> there is so much comic book kind of just left on the floor there. We're sure. falling over having to kill Cap. I mean, there's there's a lot to it. So you're having a whole lot more of Shane with Jurassic Park than you do with most people are. I think that's why I didn't like it as much. I love the comic book version so much more. And to me, this was a little just fan service crud forced in. No, Interesting. This should, been, this should have been Avengers Civil War. This should yeah. have been Captain America Civil War. It's like, oh, we have to make another Captain, Captain America movie. Let's let's do this real quick and make them, you know, break them I mean, up. That shows you how much power Chris Evans had at that point. Well, yeah. not only that, but it could have just been Marvel Civil War. It sure. didn't even like, need Avengers on the front of it. Like, Well, they already signed him up for so many cat movies, so I feel like they had to make use of his contract. Probably. So yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, let's get it. Let's go ahead and make this Caps Civil War. I don't know. And then, you know, they fight, they hate each other, but they find a reason to come back together. I mean, not for a while, but you well, yeah, but I still happen. feel like the the airport scene, the airport fight, still has like, I mean, you got Wanda and Vision fighting each other in that scene. Like, you've got yeah, but- you've got Hawkeye and, and Black Widow going at it. Like, you've got a lot of these friendships that have been built up. That everybody- and I, I agree with you. It felt forced that they made them fight each other, but mm-hmm. like, I still felt like it was pretty emotional. And then the introduction of Spider Man in that sequence was yes, that was the best part of me. Under- you didn't like that, Jason? Yeah. My my, I still hold to the fact that you could have cut his. Int- it, he could have just shown up at the airport. Okay. <laughs> you literally could have just had him flip. He could have said under ruse. He flips over. He steals Cap Shield. Like that's how they should have introduced Spider Man. The entire sequence that happens in the apartment where he's like, "You're that Spider Kid, aren't you?" And like okay. all of that. You could have taken that completely out of okay. that movie, and you should have slapped it on the front of Homecoming. That would have made like. And well, it I did have... love how they opened Homecoming, though, because they went back to the back to that fight. Yeah, and I mean, it, um, I like the home video footage of it. That it kind of yeah. works, but I still think that like just for like the pacing of Civil War, because there were definitely some times where it just it slows down really bad for me. Sure. Um, I just think personally you could have cut that entire sequence out and just thrown it or heck make it one of the cut sequences at the end of the tr- uh, credits or something like yeah uh, it would have yeah. definitely felt it's all the small game. pieces that I, mean, I don't know if it's all feige or what but only thing i could see the apartment scene doing is showing you how their relationship start you know sure. how spark how peter and tony how he has that respect for him and mr stark and how tony was always macking on the knot too that whole thing well, so I think they had to make Aunt May age appropriate. Exactly. 
Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Marissa Tomei, who is beautiful at whatever so age she is. Yeah. But, but like, do you want a 60, 70, 80 year old <laughs> Aunt May for a a 16 year old kid? Like, no, that's grandma. That's not Aunt May. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah okay. I mean, Sally Field did pretty good. She still looks all right. <laughs> that yeah, was in the Amazing Spider Man. Right. Anyway, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I don't know, Sally man. Field. The the Aunt May in, in the Sam Raimi movies is oh, boy. my Aunt May. Like, that's like in all the comics and cartoons that I watched when I was growing up, Aunt May was an old white lady. You're, you're yeah. right, but you don't have to. If nothing else, these movies have proven to us that we don't have to stick to the freaking narrative of the comic books at all. You are, you true. are very correct. It's very true. That, I think that, they've definitely done that. If I wanted to read the comic books, I'd go read the comic books. <laughs> okay. Movie. So you're right. You're very right. True. Um. So the next movie uh, that was our summer of 2016 film. The next one was our November of 2016 film. Feel like this is when Marvel started getting on the uh, the one in the summer release and then one in the winter release. Um, we got Doctor Strange, which had uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in it. Yes, um, it's a it's a good movie. It's a fine movie. It's in the middle for me. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Like it's enjoyable. Yeah, it did its job. And it, yeah, exactly. Uh, the villain was not a very good villain in my opinion. And then the the ultimate reveal of how the Ancient One was operating was kind of like oh okay i mean i've seen this in 400 other movies that the the mentor that you've had your entire life turns out to be the one that's actually the ultimate bad guy like yeah it is and and, not even the ultimate bad guy because she didn't really think she was doing anything bad never know that movie only did two things and i think it served his point introduced dr strange which the moment i heard it was benedict cumberbatch sold you can do no wrong by me i think it's great sherlock is amazing exactly and I just think it was just pure eye candy from the moment. Every time they hit the glass universe or whatever, yeah, throw in your 3D yeah, goggles, it was just eye candy. I went back and watched it again. It is just beautiful just to watch. The opening sure. fight scenes, all the fight scenes, everything's upside down. That's the only purpose of that movie. Right this is this is one of those, this is one of those movies, and specifically one of the Marvel movies where the trailer got me so excited that I think the movie couldn't live up to the trailer. Yeah. Like the like the trailer was like an inception level trailer. Like there's all this weird motiony moving stuff that I don't understand, yes. and they're fighting in it. And, and I was it like, you want to watch? Yeah. But and then it, I watched the movie and was very let down. And and most importantly, what I was let down for, and I I mean, who knows if they're even going to address this in the sequel? Like Baron Mordo didn't really get the like to, the yeah, villain treatment that I needed. Like obviously you find out by the end that he's kind of a bad guy, but like yeah. throughout the whole movie, I was expecting like halfway through for him to turn and be jealous of um, uh, Stephen Strange. Like I, I expected that to happen halfway through, and it just never really happened. I think they were they wanted more to tell later. They didn't have time constraints more than sure. I mean, and the other thing, you know, they're just finding reasons to reproduce. Infinity Stones, because everybody knows oh, right now yep. we're working our way up to the big climax of whole Thanos and everything. So they're just finding yep. a way to introduce the stones. And I of Agamotto, great way to introduce another stone. For sure. Uh, did either of you guys know Scott Derrickson before this movie? The name doesn't ring a bell to me. No? Not for a minute, no. Yeah, I, I have no idea what else he's done. Uh, so we will jump to the summer of 2017 where we brought James Gunn back for round two of Guardians of the Galaxy. This is in my bottom three films. I hate you. Aperture. 
I was excited yeah. about Ego. I was excited that it was Kurt Russell. Yeah. I, I couldn't see them going wrong with, you know, a sequel to one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, everybody coming back, bringing in Kurt Russell as Ego. And I literally hated the, the movie. Was that? I mean, it's, it's hard to follow up the first one, though. That's, it is. It, it, that was, that's just a tough order. Uh, the uh, soundtrack, you know, even wasn't there, but everybody's been playing Brandy afterwards, but still, <laughs> not nearly as great. Not at all. I, besides the final scene where they're fighting in the center heart of Ego, the rest of that movie I could probably do without, honest. Well, uh, Rooker Nandu going through cleaning house. I sure. That well, was kind of funny and too. Stallone, Stallone showing up with the original Ravagers. I yes. thought that was cool. Classic like, nod to yeah. yeah. But like, other Rocket, other than Rocket that, Booby, Rocket playing Home Alone in the woods was pretty cool. <laughs> that was okay. kind of fun too. He was having fun with it. I know the sister thing with them coming together. I guess that was kind of cool too. I'm not gonna lie, I might have teared up when Yandu died. <laughs> I mean, oh sure, that was that was. I mean, that got me. That was an emotional <laughs> sequence for the fact that like his dad was never really there for him. Yandu. Yeah was there for him maybe not for the greatest reasons yeah. but still cared about peter obviously way more than his dad does his dad proves that he doesn't give a shit about his son as a uh, as a person my father. <laughs> yeah so i can understand that like and some of that stuff was okay but but i just was so let down with this movie so disappointed with this oh, yeah. movie everybody wanted the first one the, the way you felt yeah. when you saw the first one so yeah. so yeah definitely definitely in the bottom 3 for me and then uh, that same summer, uh, two months later, we got the the unicorn. Sony and Marvel had figured out a way to work together, and we got well. I mean, they obviously worked together in Civil War because of that, but we were able yeah. to get Spider Man Homecoming, which was luckily not another origin story, Thank which is God. something I feel like most Marvel Marvel's done a fairly good job of not giving us. I mean, other than like Iron Man. Uh, yeah. Most of their movies haven't been origin stories. They might have had flashbacks to the origins, or they might have had their origins in other films before they gave somebody their own film. Mm-hmm. Um, but Spider Man is just Spider Man in Homecoming. And yeah, everybody knows by now what happened. You know, yeah, we know the story. So now he's just a kid with superpowers. Yep. Go out there and do something. I mean, and still, <laughs> technically, to this day, we've never seen him get bit by a radioactive spider. We don't know exactly. how or why it happened. We just know that it happened. Exactly. Uh, Michael Keaton's amazing in this role. Oh, oh my god! It's good in the most car movies, scene too. But dude, the, the entire sequence in the car is just. Yes. Oh. I felt tense. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is the best scene in the entire movie. One of the best scenes that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where, like you said, they're in the car and they both realize who the other person is. Yeah. <laughs> and it is so tense. And I mean, I love how they connected it back to the first Avengers movie where like Michael Keaton was just stealing shit that the Chitari left behind. Like very well done. Oh yeah. I love uh, Then we get another, I, I'm in the middle on this Thor movie. Um, Taika Waititi is, is a fairly good comedic director. I like, you know, what we do in the shadows. It's pretty fun. I just didn't feel like, I know they were trying to do Planet Hulk. Is that what the comic was called? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So obviously since they can't officially do a Hulk movie, they have to make him side characters and everything. They brought in a way to do a Thor movie with Planet Hulk as like the, the side plot to it and whatnot. 
Jeff Goldblum was weird in this movie. This is like my upper 10. I mean, I is love it really? Well, and my my other problem is, is like, uh, and I understand like a lot of these actors, like Robert Downey Jr. is guilty of this also. As they get bigger in the MCU, they get more demanding. Like Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want to wear anything but like a green suit now so that he can just not wear any armor or helmets or anything like that. It's all CGI. It got to the point where Chris Helmsworth was apparently not interested in going through the process of becoming Thor. So they decided that, you know, we're going to make him a comedian in this movie and we're going to shave his head so that you don't have to go through, you know, putting a wig on every day. You can just, you know, have a shaved head now, like a very short haircut now. And they got rid of the helmet in the first one. I mean, you saw the helmet for four seconds. Yep. And took it off. I was like, this is Chris Helmsworth. We have to see that beautiful face. Exactly. But, but it's Thor. He needs the helmet. <laughs> yeah. But so it, this one was kind of disappointing to me. There are some things in it that I like. Um, I did not stop laughing in that whole movie. Even when people were getting murdered and Kate Blanchett was wrecking shit, I was still laughing. <laughs> My problem with this movie is I felt like um, I felt like it didn't take the right beats. So like while we were watching it, I remember thinking like, like the, it, it was mainly when they were on the, they're on the elevator and it's Thor and Loki yeah. going up and they're having this like serious heart to heart moment where they're actually being brothers and like being real with one another and it's going so well. And it was like, he didn't even give it like a downbeat to wait for the next like comedic moment. It was like, it went from that to, we should do get help. Like, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and which is funny, like get help was funny and I enjoy that moment, but like for it to be one entire sequence, it didn't like, it was like, it was like, okay, we had this serious moment. Now go do more comedy. And it was just like, it, I felt like the timing was just slightly off on most of this movie for me. So that just might be his directing style. I don't know. I mean, it's felt like Jojo Rabbit. I mean, in the most depressing era, he still found a way to put comedy in it. So it's definitely his style. Yeah. yeah. It it again, it's in it's in the middle for me. I, I, I don't I don't hate it, but I also don't really care for it. Like I don't go out of my way to watch it unless I'm trying to rewatch the whole MCU. Um Snow. Ryan Coogler did Fruitvale Station, right? <laughs> He did. He did. A little bitty, little bitty movie called Creed, but yeah. Oh yeah, and then Creed, and then uh, he took over the the movie that literally changed a lot of cinema. Yeah. Like this movie, like it, it's an MCU like cartoony comic book character that literally fucking has changed cinema and the world. <laughs> yeah, and and it is a damn good movie. Uh, a good plot to it and then it's only it's only been intensified in the last couple of months with the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman mm-hmm. and like you know they're they're working on the next movie I can't even imagine what Ryan Coogler is going through mentally trying to do a sequel that's obviously been in his head since he did the first movie yeah. but still planning to do it with T'Challa and I mean, like now oh, Chadwick, yeah, yeah. Told, Chadwick okay. told him before that he was sick so he knew gotcha but I mean, like, I mean, as a as a movie viewer, that was a huge surprise to me because obviously I didn't know anything about him being sick, and so him passing away was literally just like, "What the fuck do you mean that Black Panther's gone?" Right. Um, 
like and and, I, and I'm sure because I, I know I know from the comic books that Shuri eventually takes over in the comic books as Black Panther. So with you know all this stuff going on in Hollywood these days, we knew that was eventually going to happen. But I don't think they planned on fast tracking it like they're going to have to for Black Panther two now. Yeah, which is still uh, a ways away. But sure. Yeah, but that movie again, one of those other ones where you walk out and I wanted to go back in. Because I thought visually, the way they did Wakanda, beautiful. Sure. Beautiful. The waterfall scene, yep. gorgeous. The ethereal plane where he was talking to his dad. Oh, beautiful. yes. Oh, Amazing. I thought that visually, this movie was gorgeous just to watch. And then even in the beginning where he just starts off with a, a story, a bedtime story. And, all, and how that spun off to a whole political agenda afterwards i was just yeah. like, oh my god this movie is perfect and, Man, and the fact michael that killmonger you were not mad at you got it you did not agree with his methods but you understood <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those things i was about to say like michael b jordan's character like everything that he did in that movie i understood his reasoning and why he was doing it like he wasn't a villain like i didn't I, i'm i guess i'd compare him to obadiah stain like i didn't really hate obadiah stain so much but like as his true motives, you know, come through in the third act or whatever, I was like, oh, you are kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> I kind of felt that way with Michael B. Jordan's character, but never got to that point of, oh, you're a piece of shit. It was like, oh, I I, I see you're not all up here, but yeah. you still have a good, good like, point. <laughs> agenda. Yeah, like, I don't, I can't disagree with what you're trying to do. <laughs> What's interesting is this, I honestly think Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger was better than Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. Really? Well, he stole the show. As I far, mean, as, far as, the, as far as the acting goes and like and how you felt about that character when he would, like you said, you, you're, you're not sitting there going, I totally would do that. But you're like, I totally see why he <laughs> And whereas like, yeah, with, with Chadwick's Black Panther, it was it was almost like eh, you're just it was which is weird because i think chadwick's a really good actor he was really good as marshall i've in, in seeing a bunch of other his movies oh, i think so he's awesome but the weird thing was is like i felt like his acting was lacking in this movie so i i can see but, that i feel like Honor stole uh, the show so much that yeah. he didn't have to do much other than be kingly like well, and he wasn't. I felt almost like he wasn't kingly like, which is fine because he kind of gets the mantle unexpectedly because of his yeah. death dying. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it it just felt like he was kind of like, I'll listen to I'll listen to him. Let's let that person talk. Let's let yeah. that. And it's like, I I always think of, <laughs> and it's just you know my upbringing, listening, watching Coming to America, and having him play <laughs> Mufasa. Like I always think of somebody like James Earl Jones from Coming to America, where it's like, shut up! Like, <laughs> like I like 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 he wasn't there yet for only being. King you know what I mean, though. Like he's like he's like yeah. literally in my brain as like the African king. Oh yeah, like, as of like the person who will literally be like, what is go away? You're not important. <laughs> like so, um, he was working up to that level. <laughs> and maybe and you know i was really sad to hear that he passed away um 
and and it sucks because it it feels like the Heath Ledger thing all over again where like yeah. it's like mm-hmm. knowing that they had a clear vision for what they wanted to do with the Joker in that universe yeah. and then they got thrown that curveball and then the same thing happening with this it's like they probably had a really good vision and from what i understand Chadwick, I read some at some point was really kind of upset because of the fact that this whole Me Too movement came in not too long after Black Panther came out. Sure. They were already talking about Suri surplanting him. Mm. And, and and I read a thing and it, and Chadwick was like, No, not yet. Kind of like like it's fine to go down the line at some point and do that, but like he wanted his time. To be, supposed to get another movie out of it, yeah. It, whether it's two or three movies or whatever the case, like I and like, so it really sucked when he died because it was one of those things where it's like everybody kind of had this. I had this feeling like Ryan Coogler and him definitely had an idea of where they wanted right. to go. I wanted to see what he was going to do next. I think he oh, would have yeah. gotten Mufasa in the second movie. Him and boy becoming a king thing, you know, still flinching and everything. And dude, I think. And he totally and and. And, and I know we're all looking forward to it to see how Kevin Feige is going to bring in the mutants and the and bring in the X-Men and stuff. But like literally having having um, Black Panther with Aurora would have been one of those moments where you're like the re- like they get he can't marry his girlfriend or whoever she was from the first. Yeah. Yep. But because of the fact that he has to like unite two different countries or something. And so he ends up marrying Aurora Monroe or something and like to bridge something. And like, then you find out like halfway through that movie, all of a sudden she's just like, nobody's <laughs> <laughs> like going flying. And they're like, the fuck is this? <laughs> like she has to use it to save his life or something. And sure. Totally. Bring it that way. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, that uh, was the, there was an article back when when Disney first bought Fox and everything and got all the rights to the X Men and everything like that. Where I had read somebody online put together like here's how you could introduce each individual X Men character in all of the movies that they have coming up, so that you could build up to an Avengers level event and just call it the X Men at that point. But you've got all these characters that are like you know bit pieces in all these other Marvel movies and. Storm being in a relationship with Black Panther was one of those things, and it's like, man, like that would have been something awesome to see. Knowing that it's comic uh, correct that they got married in the comics and everything, like that would have been an amazing way to introduce Storm, a a X Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, and on top of that, like if you're going down that route, um, there was a point in time in the '60s, I think it was. I mean, obviously, you'd have to retcon it because of the way that uh, they defrosted Cap in the MCU. <laughs> but like in the '60s, like Wolverine and Cap ran around. Oh wow! In, in like Vietnam or something, like oh, yeah. like working together. So like a lot of missions together. While, while he was in the Weapon X program and stuff like that. So like, well, before, see, in the, the art- before he had the adamantium, but he was sure. still like he's still Wolverine. So the article that I had read that was trying to figure out how to bring all these X-Men in said to do a movie called alpha flight where you could set it in Canada and you could have it when Hulk had no control over himself. Since Wolverine's first appearance was fighting the Hulk, you could do it because Wolverine was also part of alpha flight at one point. You could just kind of 
retcon all that together and have it be the Hulk has lost control of himself. He's ravaging Canada and Alpha Flight comes in to take him on. And it ends up being Hulk versus Wolverine to introduce Wolverine into the MCU. Yeah, they did that whole animated movie already, too, which was a good animated movie. I mean, go back, totally watch it. Exactly oh, what I will. you said was exactly yeah. what they've already made an animated movie of. Well, and cool. It was, and it was good. Nice. But so yeah, I that would that would be a lot of fun for bringing him in. Uh, but yeah, really, really, really sad because like literally, Chadwick Boseman seemed like one of the most badass people in Hollywood. Like every interview I ever saw from him never really seemed to be about him. Like he always seemed to actually care more about other people and the projects he was in and oh and the stories that they were telling and how yeah they could, how they could affect others uh, oh yeah especially with the black community from what i've seen anyway and snow you can uh correct me if i'm wrong but like one of those things that really mattered to him was him definitely um being a positive influence for for african-american people yeah that was our representation i mean we didn't have any other than blade <laughs> Which Blade is awesome. But Blade's not relatable for everybody either, because exactly. of the fact that it was a rated R series and he's yeah. cussing up a storm and it's it's blood and gore and stuff. Where exactly, you don't get those Captain America like level heroes out of Blade, yeah. or get yeah. Halloween costumes for your kids on Blade. But the fact yeah. that they actually had a relatable representation of, I mean, not only a black superhero but a king of a technology forward country and it was generally a good person. I mean, it was everything. It was Which like, hilarious, right? Cause like I, one of the best stories I ever had for me was uh, opening weekend of black Panther. And um, we were so busy with that movie. And at one point in time, this, this older, um, I don't know. Sorry. It was a family. It was a, a a couple with their their son, and he must have been like four, five years old, maybe, maybe six. Um, African American family, and um, our employee had asked. She she was joking with him and was like, "You're here to see blah blah blah," and he, the kid was just like, "No, I'm here to see Black Panther." He was like, <laughs> super pumped, and what was and then like the lady right behind them was an older white lady and she was like she literally looked at our cashier and said i'll buy their tickets <laughs> and, awesome. and um and then like the family the family at first was taken back by the fact that somebody was buying their ticket and she was like no i can't i've never seen that much joy out of a out of a kid just wanting to go see a movie this is something special for him she was like, it would be my honor to pay for it. And that's the family, awesome. The family was like, oh, thank you so much. And it, <laughs> and it even looked like, you know, it wasn't like, I, I, it wasn't out of like charity. It was literally out of a, a shared moment of everybody who was in that area um, because of the fact that like it didn't look like these people needed to have somebody buy their ticket. No. Like at bad. all. But it, it was just like, the, the joy that that came out of that kid overtook that woman. She bought their tickets. She even bought like two or three more when she was up at the cashier and said, give these to the next people who buy tickets or come up for tickets. For That's awesome. Panther. And so like just and like so many crazy, awesome things happened that, for that. And we were busy for multiple weeks with that movie. So like, oh, it just kept going. 
Oh, yes, God. it did. And then, like, what the amount of like school showings that we had of that movie? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, um, it was it was just crazy. But it was it was a really great time at uh, back in movie theaters. So you back in the old days. I think that's the last <laughs> time I've seen it that crazy too. Like, I'm pretty sure that was the last time. Oh, like our theater is more of a neighborhood theater now, and it's more like the overflow theater when everybody else is sold out. They come to our theater. And like, but that was the last time where everybody was sold out so often that they had to come to our theater. And we were selling <laughs> out like crazy. We we were selling out like crazy. No we we literally had that that movie on like four screens every hour on the hour, and they were all selling out. Like we 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 you wanted to cry when you worked that weekend. <laughs> it was insane. It was so busy. We couldn't get breaks in. Be like, we had employees that worked without getting breaks because we had no downtime. Literally, a sold a show would sell out. Everybody we'd have a line out the door, so everybody would start buying for the next show and just go straight to the concession stand, straight to buying. You know, like like. It just it was nonstop and it was it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't awesome at the time because it was I was on my feet for like twelve hours a day nonstop <laughs> and I was exhausted. Like, but home. looking back on it, like the way the way the world is now, like I miss days. Like I mean, that's the way it was twenty years ago when I first started and was floor staff. Like I loved when we were super busy because my day flew by. <laughs> so yeah, Black Panther was was amazing, very very high up on my list, the top third at least as far as Marvel movies go. But the next movie is up in the top five for sure. Infinity War is amazing. Oh, yeah. Infinity War just checked so many boxes of fun. the The concept of taking like sixty. Uh, maybe like 40 characters that I cared about and putting them all into one movie and giving them all interconnecting. It's like the love actually of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Um, and it works. Worth of footage, just all these characters coming together at one point for one interwoven story. And the whole time you're asking, how are they going to do this? How are they going to... Oh, that's how... I had no problems with it. I thought it was yep. perfect. No it was all perfect. Uh, no critiques. Some some of my favorite moments involve like when Nomad slash Captain America shows up, like <laughs> that that whole scene in the in the train the station was part. yes, where he just catches it and you don't too. know who it is, yeah. and then he walks forward, and then like you've got you know the awesome moment later in in the movie when Black Panther is like and get this man a shield, man a shield. <laughs> like that's you realize oh wait a minute I've been hanging out with Captain America for like an hour and a half and. You're right. He hasn't had a shield this whole time. Like he's because he's technically been nomad during that time. Yeah. But, Every scene with Thor and Rocket, I think, is just <laughs> comedy gold. You know, <laughs> he called him Rabbit the whole time. And I lost it. Well, and see, uh, the Russos did a great job on this. Like where where I feel uh, Taka Watiti didn't do a good job is I felt like he overplayed all of the comedy in Thor Ragnarok, whereas mm-hmm. the comedy in this one was so subtle and easygoing. That I really enjoyed it. Yes, yes, I, I loved it all. Like, that's a made Jason? up word. All words are made up. Great. What are you laughing at? I am Groot. <laughs> I am Steve Rogers. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like that's one of the best moments for me. Just like it, just that moment of like I am this man from the forties is like that's a talking truth. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the, the, the whole sequence in Wakanda at the end, like, yeah. it's one of those movies where, like, as a, as a comic book fan, I knew they had to do it. I knew it was coming. I knew Thanos was going to win. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I yeah. knew that's how the movie was going to end. But when the snap happens, I still wasn't ready for it, like, your emotionally. Heart, you felt it in your heart. <laughs> These characters fading away. Oh, my yeah. God, Rocket and Groot, and then Peter, which we read later, Spider or Tom Holland just improvised that entire scene yep. with Robert Downey Jr., and I was like, you bastard. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 I cried. And yes, yeah. you had to. Well, not only that, I think I saw that movie like three times, at least in the theater, and every single time, every time. while yep. I watched that moment. Which is, like, funny it, side it, note, I've got to tell you this, so uh, yep. you guys we're Facebook friends. So you probably have read it or I've told you the story, but so uh, my kids were going through the entire MCU and I was like, you need to watch all of these movies. And, and like infinity war came out and I bought the DVD, like the Blu-ray, like right when it came out. But like, I literally, they were like, dad, let's watch infinity war. And I was like, no, you can't skip anything. You need to watch everything. So they were literally making their way down this list. And, and then right before like Endgame came out but I wasn't and they were like let's watch Infinity War I was like you can't watch Infinity War until I can watch it with you <laughs> at home so that we're all together when you guys watch this movie because I knew it we it, I went to see Coco with my family and literally oh. five out of the six of us are crying and <laughs> because he was too small to even realize what the screen was on so like I knew my kids were not going to handle the ending of Infinity War well. And literally, my wife FaceTimed me while I was at work. And she was like, you need to talk to your kids. <laughs> What's going on? And she was like, no, no, no. You need to, like, she, like, and I had just bought Endgame on, like, Blu-ray, like, that week or something. And she, would and, like... <laughs> And she turned the camera around on her iPhone and she showed me my two oldest, like tears are flying <laughs> out of their eyes. They're sitting there and they were, they're like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I was like, I told you guys not to watch this. And so let's watch it with you. I was like, I was like, cause my plan was like, we're going to watch infinity war on a Friday. And then we will watch Endgame on a Saturday. Just it gets like, better. Hang in there. <laughs> we'll watch them back um, to back on a day off or something. I don't know, but oh. you can't carry that around like we did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that ending was was an emotional cliffhanger. Oh. And then uh, Bring It On director Peyton Reed came back for a second uh, trip with Ant Man. Lighten things up a little bit. Yeah, well, and it was one of those weird things where it was like we just went on an um, an insane emotional journey. And then we get Ant-Man and we're like, why isn't Ant-Man addressing any of this? Like, what's why is Ant-Man seem to be in its own world? And then you get the post credit scene of Ant-Man oh. where the snap happened then. So you realize that Ant-Man and the Wasp was going on at the exact same time. So like, yeah. they're not even really officially Avengers yet because they weren't called into the fight that was going on in Wakanda. They're just off nope. doing their own thing in San Francisco, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, yeah so they're all doing their own thing with with Pym He's Tech still and under house arrest. Remember? Yes. Well, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, doing magic, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, so Ant Man of the Wasp happens, and you're like, oh, okay, like this is fun. This is okay. Like 
it's an okay movie. It's again, not one I love or hate. It's fine. It is what it is. Um, but then at the end of that movie, we get the snap happening and we get Scott Lang getting stuck in the quantum realm. And that was pretty like, Oh wow. Okay. So that's where Marvel's going. We're, we're addressing all this. And then after that, they kind of just take a complete left turn and go back to the nineties for us. And they give us Captain Marvel, which I know Jason's not a huge fan of, but I really like the movie Captain Marvel. I really enjoy the narrative of it. I really enjoy the nonlinear storytelling of it. I enjoy some of the characters that are like kind of there, like Minerva. I enjoy the little bit that we get from Minerva, even though she turns out to be a bitch. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy, I enjoy Jude Law's character and his training. Um, it's Annette Benning, correct? That yes. plays. Yeah, Annette Benning's character is kind of the weakest part of it, in my opinion. I Agreed. don't know why you're that. Like, it's so much. We get a young Nick Fury. We get a young Coulson. We get the '90s. We get blockbuster video. Like, I don't Can't understand what why Shane loves this movie. I don't understand what there's not. <laughs> why? Why don't you like them? Like, what is wrong? I enjoy. I, I enjoy but Ben Brie Larson Sucks in this movie. Brie, Brie Larson is everybody's main complaint, which she I think she's a bad in- rap. She sucks as Captain Marvel in every movie she's been in. <laughs> she she is, I, and you and I have had this discussion. I don't think she acts very well. I think she has the ability to act. Yeah, because Room is amazing. I don't Room's amazing. Short Term Twelve is amazing. Yeah. Ed, I think she can act. She just doesn't do it all the time, and I don't think she's done it in a Marvel movie yet. So mm. I I get bored watching her just play the wooden character that she is and, hmm. and it's just bleh. so out of all the characters in that movie yeah she was probably my least favorite and it's her movie because ben it's weird like i that. don't feel that way i mean fury definitely it. <laughs> i do enjoy brie larson a lot but at the same point like i just i don't think she does anything wrong in that movie i like ben mendelson in this movie oh i don't know siri just heard you talk <laughs> oh, that's weird. weird. Like, I, no. I, I enjoy <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn in this movie. I enjoy part of that for me. I think Michelle Rambo in this movie is really good. Like, yeah. I like where it ends up going. I like, I like the post-credit scene of this movie. Like, yeah. I'm excited to see where Sword goes. Obviously, yeah. WandaVision has kind of set up the fact that hopefully, uh, Sword isn't exposed at the end of this movie. Wait, what? Oh, you're right. Yep, you're right. Yep, mm, you're right. The next one. Yeah, or yeah, uh, two yeah, away. Yeah. Two away. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. My bad. My bad. Um, so, yeah, well, since, since we don't really want to talk about this one, we will move on to Endgame, which I thought Endgame was a very fun and enjoyable. I mean, it's a time That's heist fun. movie. If you put Everybody time travel hates- in a movie, Shane loves it. Um, yeah, one of our other friends compares it to Back to the Future all the time. Yeah, that's well, essentially all it is. It really is. <laughs> He's like, what did anybody tell me? This was just Back to the Future with superheroes. I was like, I got no argument for it, but at the same time, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's fun. And like again, like it, since I was five years old, I fell in love with time travel movies. So when you give yeah. me a movie like this, it's time travel. And they're kind of changing things, but not really. Like you've got Thor getting Mjolnir back, and you've you've got some other little things going on. Like this movie it was that a love the, letter. what's that? Just saying, it was a love letter to all their previous movies because they went back sure. to 
other thing. <laughs> oh, there's Jason. You should have been holding your beer with that. Too much power for one man. That's what you should have been holding your beer with. <laughs> yes, you need. Are to you giving me? Are you giving me the like rock on? <laughs> sorry, I couldn't hear you for all oh. the sound effects. I'm sorry, I, I, you, I was like, are you giving me like the rock on? Like, are you gonna put some white snake on while you're wearing that? I can do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what you should have been holding your beer with, is what I was saying. Like, that would have been a, a great photo. Since we're talking about Endgame, yeah, uh, gotta hold them both. Now, <laughs> that is literally the best. Ma- that is mm, at least in my top three moments of every Marvel movie ever made so far. Absolutely. When he catches Mjolnir, like I know there was probably like ten of us in the theater. We probably cheered as loud as <laughs> three hundred people. <laughs> like that moment was like it's an emotional moment because like yes. there was that there in, in Age of Ultron as bad as the movie is there was that moment where like it kind of jostled a little when Steve mm-hmm. tried to pick it up so for this to happen and you hear I, 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 I knew it <laughs> yes yep that was badass so you've got you know the Steve best. with Mjolnir and you've got uh, uh, Thor with uh, Stormbreaker Stormbreaker yep. like that oh not only did he pick it up he willed the shit out of it too i mean he brought the lightning he did everything dude isn't there a point where he throws it and then it comes back to him and he knocks it off of his shield yeah he was juggling it off he he throws the shield behind thanos and then throws the oh that's what it is yes yeah yeah yeah. it bounces and hits thanos in the back juggling it off his head (laughs) it's it's amazing and it's literally good uh, it is the best moment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you know what? Here's the other thing. It it, it it's up in my top it, uh, in my top five at least because this might this next scene I'm going to talk about in my top five from Captain America: The First Avenger when Steve pulls the pin and drops the flag and picks it up <laughs> and, and you're cheese. like, wow, Steve's on a Steve's on a different level than everybody else, like. <laughs> This is this is right up there in, in as far as a Steve Rogers moment goes. Like, I so yeah, this was something that you were always hoping for would happen as a Marvel geek fan, and when it does, they didn't do it. They did it perfectly. Um, when he when and then the entire moment when the portals open, uh, on your left, everybody comes out. Uh, oh, dude, dude, on your left, I, 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 teared I up. it's another one teared up. Teared up, teared up right while it was happening, and then when he called, back. when it when he pulls the hammer, and you finally get to hear him say "Avengers Assemble" for Assemble. the first time. Oh yeah, it, See, that's my it, second dude, one. Yeah, I love watching. I love watching the audience reaction video that they yeah. have online. If yeah. you go to YouTube, you can click on it, and it's literally just somebody videotaped it on that opening night with a sold out auditorium, and people just screaming their heads Ooh. off, and it's. Perfect. We've been waiting 10 years to hear it. You finally said it. It was so perfect. Like literally so perfect. And then like we've got the we've got the like we got the epilogue of the movie. Uh Jason, I know you're not a huge fan of of old Cap, but we Captain America does what he does and then gets to live happily ever after, which I'm happy that they did for him because I feel like he deserved it. 
Yeah, he got his ending. He got his ending that he deserved. And yeah. like I loved the I loved the joke in uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier where everybody was like, Isn't Captain America living <laughs> on the moon? <laughs> like I thought that was really good for them to throw that in there like multiple times uh in that TV show is like a joke because yep. for all that's we know, that's where that's where Stephen Peggy are is with Samuel L. Jackson and, and Sword on the Moon. Yeah, not Peggy's once have dead. they ever said he was what? actually dead. Peggy's dead. Who's dead? dead? Peggy's dead. Oh, Peggy's dead, yes. Well, Okay, yeah, okay, okay. But you never hear that Steve's actually dead. Yeah. I don't, I don't, between Winter Soldier and an end of that, you never actually hear that he is dead. He's just done. So it's, it's, it's open door. I, I just, I really dislike it because it makes no sense in the grand scheme of Steve Rogers at all. Why don't you want Steve Rogers to be happy? Like, why are you so anti-Steve Rogers getting to be with his love? I would have been fine with Steve Rogers because, first of all, if he would have ended up with Agent Carter instead of Peggy Carter, then I would have been fine with Sharon. If he would have ended up with Sharon, I'd have no problem with that whatsoever. It would have worked. It made perfect sense. But here you go and you throw in him going back in time and like I've told you many times, Shane, he just, and I've even sent you the video because it's freaking funny as hell. Somebody <laughs> actually made, made a video of like all these major events that happened. And oh. they're like, and Peggy Carter's like, we should go to Dallas. And it's like November of 1963. <laughs> and we can see President Kennedy. And he's just like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and, then, and then it cuts to like, you know, she's like, I think somebody might have infiltrated Shield. I have a weird feeling that there might be bad people working for us. And he's just like, mm-hmm, great, great butter on this toast, honey. Like, and it's just like, which is awesome. So why he might end up being on the moon with her, dude? No, no, it's just, it, it's just so true. Because like, he he never warned him about. It. Like, I love the fact that the writers or one of the people involved were like. Oh, he was there the entire time. It's like, that makes no sense. You're telling me he let 9-11 happen. You're telling me that he allows all these crazy things happen in the world. So first of all, first of all, he he allowed Ultron to get built. Hold on. He was frozen from the 40s until 2012. So he might not have caught up on every single thing that happened in those 80 years. But he listened to Martin. He might not have been able to tell them that the Kennedy assassination happened. Okay, I'll give, know you, that. I'll give you JFK. I'll give you JFK. Yeah. But he knows about Hydra infiltrating Shield. He okay. knows about Ultron okay. slamming Sarkovia. Because, because no other Marvel character has had faults and flaws before. Dude, no, it makes no sense. It would go against everything that Steve is like, the person that Steve is. For, for the guy who would be willing to jump on a grenade while he's the skinny little beanpole who can't hold a rifle correctly for that same guy to be all of a sudden be like, Oh, never mind. I don't want well, to tell you about these crazy things that are going to cause here's, thousands here's of people say. pain. Here's what I'm going to say, man. Love conquers all. Oh shit. When you're in love, <laughs> you got blinders on. <laughs> and when you in love, all you care about is making Shut your up. woman happy. And no. you don't care about the stuff going on in the world. That doesn't mean that that's Steve Rogers then. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I got you. Uh, Post end game. We've had one more Marvel movie. Uh, John Watts came back and did uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, which was a lot of fun. 
It brought in Nick Fury, but not Nick Fury. It brought in Maria Hill. <laughs> Jason called, not Nick Fury. We were watching. I did not the movie. see that coming. Wow. We were watching the movie together, and Jason kept saying to me, "Dude, this this doesn't feel like Nick Fury. Like that. Why would Nick Fury do this? Like, I don't think this is Nick Fury. Like, this doesn't feel like Nick Fury." And Jason was 100% right. And I loved how it connected back to Captain Marvel. Yeah, good call. I didn't even pick up on any of that until the end of the movie. So I was like, holy shit. That, that, uh, Jason, okay. Jason called it about halfway through. I thought, yeah, I agree. There was a lot of non-Nick Fury moves that happened. Again. Yeah, I didn't even uh, think about thinking that it wasn't. A, a, the scroll thing never entered my mind. Samuel L. Jackson apparently ad-libbed, bitch, please, you've been to space, which that was, I'm not kidding you, that was the moment where I went, that's not Nick Fury. <laughs> like, that completely convinced me whether he was supposed to be Nick Fury, essentially, or not, but I am so glad that I can use that as an excuse as to why he didn't seem like Nick Fury in that movie. Sure. I don't know if it was the direction of John Watts or whatever, um, but I'm, I'm glad that it worked out. I've only watched that movie one time. I've seen it in the theater. That was it. Wow. I, yeah. Nick, about the same twice. Once at home. Once at home. But I, I have never watched it at home. Yeah. Um, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. I just think it's a middle of the pack movie. I liked yes. the, I like the, the technology aspect of using Mysterio yes. the way they Barf. did. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I didn't connect with it. I liked Homecoming so much more than Far From Home. Sure. But we're, I'm, we're, what is it? Captain America is really the only one that all of his movies are, are in my top 10, probably. Top 10. Okay. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe top 12 or 15 or something like that. But like Thor, like his first one's great, but his second and third one are blah for me. And, um, Ant Man and the Wasp was worse. Than, I is uh, I think is a subpar movie compared to the first Ant Man. Iron uh, Man. Uh, Iron Man. The first one's great. The second one's blah. The third one's oh. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, like I'm just a big, you know. But then again, I'm always a origin kind of guy. Like I always really enjoy the first movie of almost any series. Um, but I have to say, the Avengers movie definitely got better with time. The for me, it definitely goes three, probably one, three, four, two. Um, I can buy that. I'd agree with I that. I agree. I can agree with that. And yeah. I think mainly, again, me loving the firsts of almost anything and Avengers being the first time we ever, ever saw that many stars all come together to make an oh. ensemble movie like that was just sure. amazing. It's the one long cut that sold me on that at the very end. I mean, it was 45 minutes of just comic book candy, but the long minute and a half shot of them just kicking ass, one hero to hero, just bouncing around like that. I was like, this is my entire childhood happening right now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so uh, the future Marvel movies, uh, because of how long we've been talking already, I just want to kind of breeze through them. Uh, I don't really care about talking about them. I just want to know which ones you guys are most excited about. I'm going to read them all off. And then I want each of you to tell me which one movie in the future you're excited about. We have Black Widow, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, 
Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, um, the the Marvels, Ant Man and the Wasp and the Quantum Realm or Quantum Mania, Guardians of the Galaxy three, and someday we're gonna get the Fantastic Four. Of that list, like which one? And, and you can pick one that we know is actually happening because we don't. The Fantastic Four hasn't been announced; it's been teased. But of of the things that we know are upcoming. Brandon, which one are you most excited about? Is it Wakanda Forever? Why has it got to be Wakanda Forever? <laughs> be- no, I'm not saying. Thanks for calling uh, him out for that. For right. Right. <laughs> I just because I'm excited Wakanda for Wakanda Forever, forever yeah. and not necessarily but yeah, excited, so but I just want to see what they're going to fucking do with Wakanda because we can't have what we want. No, that I am probably the most excited for that one. I don't know if it's more excitement or curiosity. Sure, that, that's what I was getting. Where at, yeah. do you go? And yep. how do you do this? So I'm more curious than excited, maybe. Excited. Um, I, I, I know they're gonna have to get like um uh Bozeman's family to agree to it, but yeah. my theory has always been the opening scene is is like the opening of uh Quantum of Solace where you've got James Bond on a chase mission where yeah. like he's chasing down a bad guy. And then whoever this bad guy is, whatever the bad guy is going to be for for uh, Wakanda Forever, ends up actually killing Black Panther. But the whole time he's in the Black Panther costume, exactly. So he and then he gets too. killed. So it's all CGI. It's all like stuntmen doing stuff that that um, that Bozeman never would have done anyway. But yeah. they kill Black Panther in the opening scene, and then you get the the mask fades away, and we get like a CGI like a, a Carrie Fisher version of Bozeman for 10 seconds as he's passing away. And then, and his death is what brings Shuri to be like, I'm going to be the new black Panther. Yeah. Like, I don't want him to just die. If he does die, which I'm assuming they are going to do, he needs to sacrifice for Wakanda. Something sure. where he goes out like a boss ass king. Like he would. Yep. That I can respect. If they take him out, CGI, he, Black Panther took out the bad guy, lost his life in the process. That's why. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that would be even. My thought would be the the villain of the film kills him, and then Shuri goes on like a revenge. I've got to kill the guy that killed my brother thing. But yeah, if if it's more of him sacrificing himself. Oh my God, Wakanda's in trouble. I have to do this in order to save Wakanda. That's that's even better than what I was thinking. Yeah. I am more curious about that. I think excited wise and simply because of the director, I think I am leaning towards Dr. Strange in the multiverse. Cause you I want to see what Sam Raimi is going to do. And I love, I'm curious just to see what they're going to do with him and the Dr. Strange helm. Cause I saw Bruce Campbell's little April fool's thing. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> when he had Ash somehow inserted yep. into the multiverse. So that's supposedly bringing together Spider-Man, bringing together Wanda, witches getting more into sorcery and everything. I'm probably more excited about that one than any of the others. Jason, which one are you most excited about? If my my answer is twofold. One okay. is, if you told me that we were getting John Krasinski and Emily Blunt yes! <laughs> in Fantastic Four, I would totally say that Fantastic Four is my number one waiting for movie out of this list. 
Dude, how awesome would that be? Considering we don't know that for sure, and nobody's. She already said she's not doing it. She's got no interest in the superhero. Yeah, she did a whole article where her saying she's got no interest. She thinks the superhero thing is exhausting right now. Oh, wait wait till they put ten million dollars in front of her. Okay, well, you throw you know hookers and cocaine at her type of deal. Maybe she'll change (laughs) her mind. But she was Black Widow, so like that kind of surprises me that she wasn't. Yeah, I But then again, <laughs> she could be throwing us a curveball just to keep us off the scent. So um out of the ones that they have announced and we know what's yep. going on. Oh man. Um I might say Doctor I'm I, it's a toss-up for me between Doctor Strange and Ant-Man. And I say that mainly because of the fact that like Ant Man bringing in Kang. Uh, Ooh, I yeah. that. that's, like, nice. that's kind of cool. Has Kang been cast yet? Yes. Yeah, the dude from Lovecraft. I forget his name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Okay, yeah. Dude, yeah, that guy's awesome. That'll be cool. Yeah. But yeah. I have to say that I really think Tom Holland's probably the best Spider Man out of all the ones that we've had. So okay. I have to, I think on this list, without the Fantastic Four knowing who's cast, I have to say Spider Man just because. Like I always like I thoroughly enjoyed how they ended that second movie. Um, well, and the fact that the fact that we get Spider Man, what is it, uh, three months before we get Multiverse of Madness, and all of the rumors of the multiverse stuff going on in Spider Man, like that's going to be really cool to see how it plays three. out. We've got four movies by the end of the year this year. Yeah, like oh, wow. that's insane. And then next year we have five. One, two, three, four. Four, another four next year. Four next year, yeah. Wow. It's dude, it's gonna be a really fun two years of Marvel movies. So I, I, I hope I like Love and Thunder. Um, I'm not sure if I will. Um we'll see. Yeah. It's it's doing a lot of different and weird things as far as Marvel movies go. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um Cool. So the next segment real quick before we get to uh, Snow's Hurlowitz questions, I asked you guys <laughs> if you had any Marvel stuff from your childhood, your youth, anything in your life that are you, that you're proud of uh, as a Marvel fan. Jason's already shown off Milner. He's shown off Cap Shield. He's shown off the Infinity Gauntlet. Like, I don't know what, like, Jason, do you have anything else to share? Uh, so we have an episode coming up that the rest of what I, my holy grails, um, the three that you saw tonight are my MCU things. Yeah. Um, my holy grails of my star of my Marvel stuff. I'm holding on for a different episode. Okay. Uh, Oh, I'm excited uh, now. Uh, because those are, something near and dear to my heart which we'll nice. get it really with a different episode but i have to say that um uh one of the things i don't have them readily available um i literally own a movie poster from every mcu movie except for the incredible hulk that is the only one i do not have i yeah. own everything else i have one poster from at least one poster Sometimes I, 
but I, have I will I will look for you if if that's something important to you. I think I do have an Incredible Hulk poster. Wow! I I can look for you, and I would rather like I w- I would rather instead of it being in my attic and with you know four hundred other posters, if it will complete your collection, I'll gladly give you my Incredible Hulk poster. I'll I'll check, but I'm pretty sure I have one. I keep I keep looking at there they there's some on eBay twenty seven by forties and and I've come close a couple of different times and they're not that expensive they're only like twenty bucks a piece or whatever so sure if you, but if I you have one don't feel like the need to get rid of it but if you like, <laughs> I would I'll take it off your hand yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's one of those things like I got it because like I said that summer of two thousand eight I really loved that movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the one that's like it's it's a very small Ed Norton's character and then a very large Big bubble Hulk behind him. Behind him, like I'm pretty sure I have like they're walking away from each other. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure I'd say like 90% sure I have that poster in my attic. If I do, if that will complete your collection, I will gladly give it to you. Because like I said, I only kept it because I did like that movie more than Iron Man. Luckily, I do have an Iron Man poster also. Uh, so yeah, if that'll complete your collection, I'll gladly give it to you. It's one of those things where it's like this many movies, I, there's no, there's no way I could ever display all of them because there's Ooh. so many movies. So like, I, I know one of our employees found a book that some, some art company was selling where it's literally like a portfolio book and it's oh. seven it's 27 by 40 sheets and you like you slide, slide, it, posters? You slide them in and it's almost like your old com- or your old uh, ball card collection where you literally wow. just be turning it over. I need to get one of those. That's kind of like, it's like a $300 purchase. Not that that's the worst thing ever, but how many pages is it for 300 books? I don't remember. I, <laughs> so it's I mean, like, cause I've got, you know, four or 500 posters in my attic. And if I, if it's, a couple hundred dollars to display a couple hundred of them. Like I might do that. Yeah. I want to say it. I want to say it's something like 40 pages, which can hold like it's two sided. So, uh-huh. so it's like 80 posters or something like that. And wow. I mean, I'd probably do, if I did buy one of those books, I'd probably do just comic book movies. <laughs> That'd be pretty bad. Like and I'd start filling from the back with other ones. But yeah, you can buy you buy like insert pages as well if you want to expand it more. Ooh, so. dude, you got me you got me wanting to look into this now. Yeah. So all right. So Snow, you are obviously in your man cave, and your man cave is one of the most jealous things in my life. <laughs> I've been in your man cave, and you have personal. at at least a hundred pieces of art. At at least half of them are probably signed by the artist. A lot You've of got it, yeah. You've got a lot of photographs of you with, with, uh, artists, people with 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 artists with with voice actors with, yeah. uh, you've, you with uh, Doctor Who people like, your man cave is is one that I am extremely extremely jealous of. You have a poker table that then has Avengers chairs around it. Yeah, you can't tell that's the Panther behind. That's the Black Panther. <laughs> I, I I demand that I sit in the Iron Man chair every time I come over to your house. I mean, he's right. That chair there. right there. I demand yeah. that I sit in that yeah. chair every time I come over. Yeah, so, that's, 
what Marvel stuff? I asked you what what are your happiest Marvel things that you own? And I've been with you at multiple cons where you've spent a stupid amount of money on a comic book. Got no argument. Because you were getting it signed by the artist or the author. And then you were getting it graded after you got it signed. And then that took like three fucking months for you to get it back in your possession. (laughs) So we've been, we've, we've been, we've been to, I, I I would say easily 12 cons together. Uh, We've, we've gone our separate ways and we've done our separate things, but of all the stuff that we've been to together, of all the, collectibles you've got what what did you what did you bring tonight uh well unfortunately i am kind of crippled and can't quite walk around and give you the whole full <laughs> guided tour of what i got but what if i can kind of show you in the corner there if you can take a look up there oh yeah so, okay you got you got some issues that are i got my those issues those are graded issues yep the graded issues i hung on the new wall, mutants so. and infinity gauntlet yeah, so I got the first appearance of Thanos, and it's signed by a Starling, the guy who created him. Awesome. Jimmy, I believe. Uh, then you, you were there for the New Mutant ones, I believe, so that's Rob Liefeld. He signed oh, yep, the Liefeld First appearance ones, of Deadpool, yep. first appearance of Cable. Nice. But the very oh first one I got was signed, or is the first appearance of Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah, okay. And I just love the artwork, because it's Alec Ross's cover, and anything Alex Ross does, I will buy. The man's a hell of an artist. So the ones that are signed, I absolutely love. Just the fact that I have all of this crap and that I went to comic book conventions just to get it. That was probably the best part of it in and of itself. Uh, So I remember the last time you and I were together in Chicago was was the Lifefield trip. Mm -hmm. And are are the two that are mounted on your wall the ones you got signed that day? Yeah, you can tell, but by the door... <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, so you got the Captain America and the Spider-Man chairs. Yeah, oh, but yeah, Deadpool. And you got the TARDIS, them. you got the TARDIS door. <laughs> and all of, yeah, all of that. Nice. Uh, but my Deadpool is all signed by Rob Liefeld, who's a hell of a nice guy. I actually saw him in the gym, trying not to be creepy either. But oh, like, I remember that. You came back to the hotel right room and told to me about it. What if he wants to sign us while we're on the exercise bikes to get you know, let's not be weird. It saved me like fifty some dollars. Exactly. But he signed seven things of mine where he was only supposed to sign one. That's so awesome. The guy was amazing. He was very good to me. Uh, so I have a couple of things that I'm excited about to talk about. Uh, this right here is a really crappy. You can see how bad the fucking edges of this book are. The staples are torn out of it. But this classic X-Men number 42, the Dark Phoenix Saga reprint. That is the first comic book I ever got in my entire life. Wow. 1990, I lived in Germany. It's in terrible quality. This would rank as like a, a, a 3.1. <laughs> it's in such bad care. That's but this is the first comic book I ever got in my life when I was 10 years old. Uh, and I still have it in my possession. Uh, as Jason has pointed out to me many a times, this is a reprint of like a 20-year-old book at that point. Dark uh-huh. Phoenix was done in like the 70s. Uh, they reprinted it in the 90s, and this is the one that I got. Uh, and even being reprinted in the 90s, like, I mean, the edges of it are just absolute shit. Like, it is, it's so bad. This The staples are pulling out in the middle over here, but this is the first comic book I ever got in my entire life. 
I absolutely love it. It made me fall in love with the X-Men and the Dark Phoenix saga. Nice. In 2000, this is a this is a Chris Claremont signed X-Men number one. Got but I Jason, what's the official title of it? It's just X-Men number one. Okay, it's, it's, number one. it's the remark when Claremont took over, but yeah. Well, yeah, so this is is when Jason and I went to Wizard World in Chicago in 2000. I waited in line to get Chris Claremont to sign. I think that was 02 or 03. Was it? Okay. It could, yeah, okay. One one of the times that Jason and I were in Chicago, I got this signed and it's it was X-Men number one. It, it's the four-page fold-out cover. Uh, got it. Yeah, the deluxe edition. For me. Yeah. yeah. I actually have that same exact one signed by Claremont. It would be up on the wall also, but yep. it fell down and cracked the case. So I have to get that <laughs> sent back out. <laughs> uh, my last thing that I have Which is, is awesome. I am oh, in yeah. love with the fact that I have the Marvel Cinematic Phase 1 Nick Fury briefcase, which can be opened. You opened it? I kept mine in the packaging. <laughs> I didn't. I opened it. It has the Tesseract inside of it that you can take out that glows. Yeah. Uh, it's got all of the movies from Phase 1, all six of them. Um, it's got a bunch of different paperwork and dossier stuff, but this is uh, normally it sits right there behind me, but I took it. That's my Marvel area of, of my display, uh, but this is this is one of my pride and joys. It was two hundred fifty dollars. Oh yeah. Um, if I had kept it in its case and had never opened it, it was it's worth thousands of dollars now. But unfortunately, the same way I am with my toys, <laughs> I, I, I love my shit and I love opening it and playing with it. So I'll never sell it. Um, it. It makes me happy to have Nick Fury's briefcase with the tesseract inside of it. Uh, and those are those are my. Marvel things that I love from collecting awesome. over all of the years. Um, so now we are going to end the show with asking Snow an abbreviated version of the Hurlowitz oh. questionnaire. Uh, last week we asked Jason Richardson the Hurlowitz questionnaire, and I kind of going back and when I was doing the editing, I kind of realized that like there's some questions in there that are way too broad and way too open to interpretation. Uh, out of the 17 of them, I cut out five. I cut out all three of the finish the sentence questions because they're very open. Like, and, and all six or seven of us that we've talked to have answered the finish the sentence questions differently. So I kind of wanted to cut them out. I felt like they really just, they don't work in, in this situation. And then I cut out two of the other, or yeah, two of the other questions that I didn't really like. So uh, snow, we are going to ask you the brand new 12 Hurwitz questions. <laughs> Read uh, these, these, these aren't for discussion. We're not going to really talk about it. I mean, if, if Jason or I have a, Oh my God, that's a crazy answer. We, we might talk about that, but these are just, we want to hear your answers to these 12 questions about film. And okay. the first question is, what was the first movie you ever saw? I had to think about that. I think the first one I actually saw was the original Willy Wonka and the Chapa Factory, Gene Wilder. Okay, on that's Laserdisc. awesome. On Laserdisc? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm old. What is your favorite film of all time? 
It's an impossible question. I hate that question. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so if I'm going to base this, I'm going to base this on how it made me feel. Sure. All right. So, cause it, it's a hard thing. First movie in, of all time, my favorite movie of all time, how it made me feel. I'm going to say the matrix. The oh, first wow. matrix. Cause okay. it's just how it made me feel. And right up there is the Avengers because of how it made me feel. But yeah. Well, was, the matrix it, came out in 1999. So that is a very acceptable answer. We, we yeah. love those answers here. Yep. Question number three, what is your favorite line slash quote from a film? <laughs> I think one of, for, one of my favorite comes from one that we just talked about tonight. Um, I think it went like, uh, if you get hurt, hurt them back. If you die, walk it off. That would be Age of Ultron Cap. I, that line always sticks in my head and I love it. <laughs> That's very impressive. That's awesome. Uh, question number four, what film made you realize that film is an art? Uh, weirdly enough, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, okay. It's nothing but comic book art. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. Cartoons, yeah. Uh, this film, is, or this next question, question five, is kind of a debatable question, so Jason and I might debate your answer. Fair enough, what, master debater. What is your guilty pleasure movie? Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk is my guilty pleasure movie. We'll watch okay. it anytime, anytime you start it, beginning and ending. Love uh, that, that is a critically panned movie, and it is a movie that I enjoy. So I will allow that as a as a as a guilty pleasure. That was close. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll allow it. Jason, <laughs> do you have any favorite? arguments? Uh, no, it's uh, that's a perfect re- redeeming uh, quote or uh, choice. So, cool. Jason, question six. Who is your favorite movie character of all time? Think about that too. I was leaning toward Bill the Butcher, Gangs in New York. Another a white dude? Example. You're really gonna pick a white dude? Okay. I will pick Bill the Butcher because he was amazing. Another piece of shit racist bad guy. But for <laughs> some reason, he had some kind of charisma in that movie where I was like, dude's a badass. I can't respect it. <laughs> right on. Jason. Uh, what is your favorite movie snack food? Uh, that's easy. Popcorn and M&M's. Popcorn and oh. peanut M&M's. Mix them together. Salty and sweet. It's perfect. I like it. Question nine, or question eight, Jason. Uh, who is your favorite director of all time? Impossible question. See, I'm tied between Quentin and Kevin Smith. Those are my ones I want to sit down and have a beer with directors. And I would love to pick both of their minds for a night. I like it. Jason, question nine. Who is the most impressive filmmaker working today? I had to lean towards Coogler on that. I mean, I like everything Coogler has done in the last 10 years. He's gone from uh, small with Fruit Valley to as big as Black Panther and Creed. So, yeah, I love everything he's done. That is that is a great answer. Uh, Jason, question 10. Who is your favorite actor or actress of all time? Very possible question. Uh, also torn between Denzel and Samuel L. Jackson. Somebody Ooh. who constantly brings it in every single movie. Uh, those those two got to be tied between if, them. If you had to pick one of them, which one would it be? Probably Samuel L. 
no matter what shitty movie he's in, he still brings his ass. I don't know. I love it. it you respect it. Motherfucking snake. Exactly. <laughs> a a snake movie plane. on a plane, and he made me love it. <laughs> uh, Jason, question 11. Who is your favorite actor or actress working today? Actor or actress working today. So I can go male or female, you're saying. Yep. <laughs> Uh, probably working today. I'm gonna lean towards Michael B. Jordan. I mean, yeah, he's everywhere and he's crushing it in every single role. Did you watch Without Remorse yet? I did, and I thought it was great. It wasn't yeah, it was all right. what I expected, but it was great. Yeah, it was I, I totally should have mentioned that in our "What have you watched this week?" I totally. Oh, did you watch it? Remorse. Yeah, it was fine. It yeah, was, was fun. Yeah. So when fun. I told you that there was there was two good action sequences, did you did you? agree with that and pick up on those two jason or me uh, either one of you like oh. well, last week when i when i talked about watching without remorse i said it was fine it had two good action sequences in it the I opening mean, the sequence end, yeah that's a hell of a kick-ass action sequence they were stuck in the building I thought yeah in the building bad. yeah that was the other one yeah. when he's fighting at home is that your is that your no no the, with the in the water at the very beginning oh 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 Gotcha. Yeah, I, I loved that scene, and then I loved I loved the scene in the building when they were trying to find an escape. All right. The rest question. of the movie was pretty blocked. The last question. Snow, if Hollywood was going to make a Brandon Simpson Snow movie, mm-hmm. who do you want to be cast as Brandon Simpson slash superhero Snow? Again, I'm sticking with, damn, now I'm torn between Anthony Mackie and Michael Jordan. I had a big one. I might go Anthony Mackie simply because he's got better range and the dude's hilarious. Everything I've seen him on outside of movies is also on point. And he's in everything right now. So if I was if I was casting the snow movie, I'd cast uh, Anthony Anderson. (laughs) He's got better hair than me. Who's the the guy from Get Out who is like the best friend who is the security guard? Oh, Oh, yeah, the T.S. motherfucking A. (laughs) I can see that, too. Oh, my God. Why can't I think of that dude's name? Ah, yeah, that that would be a a good one, too. Looks wise, fine. I'll go Anthony Anderson. Yeah, we could be related somewhere down the line. (laughs) He just has a better beard than me. I'm so jealous. Dude's beard just glows. Just, and and, and I'm, I might be on an Anthony Anderson high because as we've talked to like two episodes ago, uh, I, I, w- with, with DMX passing away, I watched all awesome. of the DMX movies that I could. And obviously Anthony Anderson's in quite a few of those. Oh, yeah. So he's been kind of on my mind recently. Uh, so that might be why I picked Anthony Anderson for you. Fair enough. No, I've got it compared to looks wise many a time. So <laughs> Uh, awesome. Uh, thank you guys for all your time tonight. It was so awesome going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, going through all of our nerd comic book shit that we own together. Great time talking about all of it and what we liked and didn't like in all the Marvel movies. Uh, Snow, hopefully you're still not working next week and you can come back so that yeah. we can talk about uh, the Marvel television universe. We can, look, we, we can look at uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We can look at all the Netflix shows. I have not watched Cloak and Dagger. I don't know if I can convince myself to watch it this week. It's, it's not great. Yeah, we can look at stuff like Inhumans. Uh, we can look at we can look at all of the Marvel television shows that we've had on various platforms because Marvel TV obviously had no idea what they were doing with Marvel TV. 
Uh, we can talk about the good stuff from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that connected to the MCU, and then we can talk about the good stuff in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that just went off and did their own thing. Um, so yeah, next week, the plan will be to talk about Marvel Television Universe, and we'll talk about all the other different things that we, we didn't talk about tonight in the Marvel Universe and how they connect back. We'll probably also mention um, uh, the Marvel shorts, the uh, one-shots. Mm-hmm. We'll probably, as, as long as time permits, we'll go through all the TV shows, and then if we can talk about the one-shots at the end, we'll bring those up also, because some of those Marvel one-shots, especially Hail to the King, are yeah. some of the best stuff that, that Marvel has done. Uh, even, the, even the one with Jesse Bradford and... Um, oh, what's that chick's name? The chick Kitty. from... I know you're talking about. Yeah, I can't think of it. Yeah, well, we, yeah, and, and, item forty-seven. Item forty-seven. Yeah, with Titus Welliver, and yeah, we'll talk about that uh, if we have time. But obviously, we we won't have as many Marvel TV projects to talk about, so we can fit the one shots in. But thank you guys so much for your time tonight to talk about the Marvel MCU and what we liked and didn't like. And next week, we'll hopefully be back, all three of us, to talk about the Marvel Television Universe. Thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. Appreciate it. Been great. Thanks.